0: This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. I have a soft spot for college baseball, and after two years of watching UCI baseball coach Ben Orloff at the helm, I knew I liked his style. Being just 35 years old and dealing with young teenage men can always be a challenge for a coach. Ben loves baseball, and it shows during a game as he is calm and collective, whether it's a two-base error or a two-run homer. I wanted to see what makes him tick and where Ben gets his love for the sport of baseball. You know,
1: when I went to elementary school and middle school, not a lot of the kids there, like, played baseball, where I played at Santa Susana, and I always fit in best with baseball. And so it was really cool going to high school and, like, you're going to class and hanging out with people that are, like, on your baseball team. And so high school just solidified that kind of, love and passion that I have for the game of baseball and kind of, you know, what it's brought me, and, and Semi Valley is really special, too.
0: I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. My guests have ranged from professional boxing cutmen, farmers, and photographer Wyman Menzer. Every day when I when I wake, I'm thinking, what can I do today uh, that's, that's going to be an adventure? No matter... Uh, how small it is, if it's, or if it's a major life changer, I just want to be able to accomplish something by the end of the day. Go to justagoodconversation.com for all our archives. Let's take a quick break for a sponsor before diving into my conversation with Ben Orloff. With baseball playoffs winding down, I get to sit down with a skipper who I feel bad for it, that has the time to take this with me. You should be sweating your ass, ready to be playing baseball. Ben, how in the hell are you?
1: Hey, I was uh, sitting on my couch watching all the good teams play on <laughs> TV last week. I think that's, uh, that's our punishment. We weren't a uh, new dead period. We weren't able to recruit this last week, and so oh. we were all the – all the coaches whose teams weren't good enough got to sit on the couch and watch all the good teams. Do
0: you guys get together in like a Zoom meeting and, and talk to each other about the playoffs and who's playing?
1: That'll start next week when we start recruiting and it's the Super Regionals. We'll all be <laughs> hating life even more watching the, the really good 16 teams.
0: Who do you who do you like right now in those 16 teams?
1: Um, Tennessee's obviously really good. Uh Stanford, having gone to that regional last year, I think they got some mojo going right now and kind of how they came back to win Monday night against Texas State. Uh, Them and Oregon State are the two teams I know the best. Uh, So it'll be interesting to follow. I love watching those games and just kind of seeing uh, what the good teams really look like. You know, you don't get to see those teams a lot during the season because we're too busy playing. Um, And try to put yourself in that position of... How would you handle this situation or that situation? And uh, so it's a lot of fun for me to watch in spite of the fact that you'd rather be playing.
0: (laughs) Right. You'd rather be in a uniform. And the Super Regionals are where a lot of interesting upsets happen. There's been a lot of Vanderbilt number one, 53 and seven, and they don't even get to Omaha. And then sometimes you get a Coastal Carolina and you're like, where where are they? (laughs) Are they in Carolina?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the uh, I'm going to Stockton tomorrow. Um, i'm sorry (laughs) and this was uh i was there in stockton at the same event i'm going to uh this weekend where sam cohen hit the home run for santa barbara to beat louisville Mm -hmm. like i remember exactly where i was sitting um watching my phone uh, not the field close enough (laughs) when when he hit the grand slam
0: to send them to omaha i know that's that's crazy when that happens tell me this and and i could not find it in my research but when did you start to play baseball you're a little guy you're a t-ball guy
1: Yeah, I started really, really young. Um, Probably before that. I was born in Santa Monica, but uh, we lived in Van Nuys when I was really young. Uh, And I remember a little bit of it, more from the stories my parents tell. But uh, I used to just throw the tennis ball off the garage um, in the morning before school, throw the tennis ball off the garage, field it, throw it off the garage, mix in one off the roof to catch a (laughs) pop-up, come back home after school and do the same thing. And um, I remember enough that I loved doing it. Uh, My parents tell the story and I have to believe it's true because they're honest um, that we went through two garage doors for me just throwing the tennis ball off the garage um, so it started really really young for me um, and that then, is
0: parents love right there to let you beat the crap out of their garage door just so you can sling it yeah
1: and I think uh, I think <laughs> um, my dad was teaching uh, photography at uh, an adult school right by Pierce College and uh, I believe he had me go try out for this little league right um across from where he was working but you had to be five I was four I think um but was good enough to be in it and they called me off the field because I was too young and I couldn't try out um so I've been playing for for as long as I can remember
0: do you get the love from dad was dad a player And, and like throw with you in the yard or grandpa or mom play what was the
1: yeah my dad played um I don't really remember like how it got started with me. Uh, my dad played in high school. My dad played fast pitch. Uh, he went to the, the Maccabee games in, in right. Israel a couple of times with, uh, for playing fast pitch softball. Um, but I always knew he loved the sport. His dad loved the sport. He played softball um, every Sunday in LA until he was like 89, 90 years old. He'd go out there on Sundays and play <laughs> slow pitch. Um, so I think that's where it started. Uh, but yeah, my earliest memories are playing and I remember even... Um, pretending to take my lead off in the living room watching a baseball game like practicing steel jumps in the living room off you know, john smoltz or somebody
0: <laughs> Were are you dodger fan growing up in the valley or were you like one of these odd kids that decided i like the diamond <laughs> no I, I i don't
1: i think uh i don't really had a team i don't think growing up um we went to a couple dodger games uh as we got older um kind of became an Angels fan maybe okay. we used to go to the college games a lot uh, my dad had a friend whose kid played at uh, Pepperdine in the early 90s um, Chris Martin was the kid the, the kid he's a lot older than me yeah. uh, my dad knew his dad uh, but coach Steve Rodriguez was on those Pepperdine teams okay. and so we used to go to Pepperdine in the early 90s um, when we moved to Simi Valley when I was seven or eight um, my dad met coach Batesoul at Fresno state at like a back to school night at our elementary school. Cause he had a daughter that was the same age as my sister. Um, and so my dad met coach Batesol and then coach Batesol used to let us come to practice. And so, um, we were like where we lived in CME to Northridge was 15 minutes. And so we used to go watch Northridge practice, go watch their games and college baseball is perfect for us. Cause it was cheap, right? Free. It was easy to get to. And sure. Adam Kennedy's playing at Cal state Northridge. Um, and so I think that's kind of, you know, how, how that got started.
0: I mean, between looking at Pepperdine's field and looking at Northridge, there's a bit of a difference as a young kid.
1: Yeah, yeah, there is for sure. The scenery is <laughs> different, but uh, <laughs> hey, I remember. I mean, Adam Kennedy led the country and hits two years in a row with 132 and 128. So when I was that age, he made Northridge look really cool.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So what did you take to when playing? Did, did you were you good at the field? Were you good with the bat? Did you play? All over the place. What was your position?
1: <laughs> I don't think my skill set ever changed from five <laughs> to twenty five. Uh I, I I could play defense. I always like to play defense. Um I played in the infield even when I was young. Um I think from throwing the ball off the garage forever I could I could get got good at catching the ball and then throwing it accurately. I pitched when I was young. I quit pitching when I was twelve or thirteen because <laughs> I couldn't throw very hard. Um <laughs> And I think the offensive stuff always came a lot later for me just cause I was kind of undersized always and, okay. um, lack strength. And so I could always, you know, kind of as a kid about the skill set not changing that much. I never really struck out. I could hit the ball. Um, okay. I could hit the ball in the barrel, but not for much impact. Um, and so that's kind of what my game, even when I was really young.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, you played in high school. I saw CIF yeah, champion, t- 2004 CIF yeah. champion,
1: um, semi Valley high school. Yeah. I, I had a, a great high school experience and, um, Played my last three years for a guy named Matt LaBelle, um, who's coached a couple places. He's the athletic director now at Camarillo High School. Uh, great guy. And yeah, my uh, junior year, we won the CIF championship, play at Dodger Stadium. I actually it was a first and third, like, steal and stop. And <laughs> I throw the guy at home to end the game. Um, we dogpile our catcher. was a fourth-round draft pick of the, the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, and It was a great playoff run, and it was a lot of fun.
0: I saw some really bad old digital photos of it. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: 2004. <laughs> and then my brother won the CIF championship at Simi Valley in 2008 too, so right. pretty cool. In
0: high school, that weird athletic time where you either solidify your love for the sport or it can kind of be crushed either between a coach, parents, uh, distraction, girls, whatever. For you, was that a solidifying time? Like, oh, I love baseball. I'm not going to play football, basketball, wrestle. Was it just baseball?
1: Yeah, it was just baseball. And I think high, high school is so great for me. Um, you know, I've never really thought about this stuff besides you asking about it. Um, (laughs) You know, when I went to elementary school and middle school, not a lot of the kids there like played baseball where I played um, at Santa Susana um, and I always fit in best with baseball. Uh, And so it was really cool going to high school and like you're going to class and hanging out with people that are like on your baseball team. Um, And so high school just solidified that, that kind of love and passion that I have for the game of baseball and kind of, you know, what it's brought me and and see Valley value is really special too, because um, we lived five minutes from there, and um, I had a key. Sorry, if this is not supposed to be. <laughs> I had a key to the clubhouse that we had. I had the key to the batting cage, um, and it was great because my dad was always available to to take us there and do it and my brother. And um, there was a little brick wall right behind the fence that you know we'd hop this brick wall and go hit and go take ground balls and get on the field, um, and so we'd be there all the time. And so it was, it was high, my high school experience was really really cool.
0: Were you thinking at any point like, okay? college for me or if I get drafted I'll go minor league. Well that, well that
1: was never gonna be an option for me I mean um, were you drafted no 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 okay no no, no. so it, it was I mean I, I don't think I knew I mean you know I don't come from uh you know we're, we're, my family was never super wealthy um I think what we lacked in that stuff we were always had time to do play baseball mm-hmm. um and it was great uh and so I uh you know, we never really did much travel ball or traveling or that type of stuff. It was right. always just baseball. Um, and I probably, you know, it's not like how things are now. I wasn't thinking about college when I was 15 years old. You know, I wanted to be a good varsity player. Um, and so I'd never, the draft never was a thought in my head, not one time. Okay. Um, and I wasn't good enough either. Uh, but it was just about playing and being a good high school player and trying to win. And then. Um, maybe after my junior year was when like the college thing started to happen a little bit. Um, and that was, that was really the first time I thought about it.
0: Then, then what's that process, that recruiting process for you people start knocking or did you go to knock on their door?
1: Um, I think we like sent some emails. Um, I don't really know if anything ever came of those. Um, I remember Santa Clara was the first school that I ever talked to. Uh, I remember we drove up to Santa Clara and visited the campus and, a kid with my dad and I say, we had no chance to afford to go to Santa Clara. Um, but just talking about leaders, you know, it's what I deal with right now, just kind of the, um, naiveness to the recruiting process mm-hmm. and you don't know any better and kid right. wants to do best and the family wants to do best for the kid and they don't know what they don't know. Um, I remember, uh, there was always a Thanksgiving tournament that we played at Moorpark College that I think during that time, the I think the high school coaches couldn't coach during that segment of the season. Um, kind of like in summer, the high school coaches used to not be able to coach. And so I think my dad and some other people might've been helping out. And, um, I think somebody came to the fence to ask, Hey, who's the shortstop? And I think that was like the first time that anybody knew who I was. Um, I played a little bit of scout ball with the Mariners, um, in the South Bay, the games were played, the Torrance area. Um, and I remember Sergio Brown, um, coming to some of the games and making contact with me when he was working here at Irvine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's really kind of what started the recruiting thing was um, I went to a camp at Stanford and and they told me I wasn't good enough and they didn't want me. <laughs> um, but I, so I think Sergio Brown coming to my scout ball games was kind of where, you know, the recruiting thing started for me.
0: Right. It's an interesting thing people don't understand. Like, baseball is not like basketball or football. There's not everybody gets a scholarship. Everybody. And especially then, it was still, it was... Pieces you got little pieces. Some guys didn't get pieces of that scholarship. It's very rare if somebody got a whole scholarship. So for you, when you're looking at schools, and if you're not sitting there going, "Oh, my dad's the CEO of, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken," if you start to look at those numbers like Santa Clara, and you look at your dad and go, "It's going to cost us seventy thousand a year."
1: I, I think we were too naive to even know that. I right. mean, I mean, and, and re, I mean, I've told him since I said we should we no business even we shouldn't have even gone there. Like that wasn't going to be an right. option. Um, and but I don't I don't think we even. Again, we were we didn't know anything. You know, if you're some high school player, and a college likes you. Like, of course, you're gonna like have interest. Um, but and
0: you were the first, right? So there was no other child ahead of you yeah. that your dad went through that process and said, "Oh, Ben, no, 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 we're taking X, Y, and Z schools out of the equation."
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think you know even. You know, that's 2003. Call it. I mean, that's yeah. that's not that long ago. But how stuff's changed between oh. now and then. It's it's with the recruiting world. It's so different. Yeah, um, you sent
0: out an email, which was probably on Earthlink. It was AOL. AOL. Yeah, that doesn't yeah,
1: exist. The phone calls couldn't come through, and we were on AOL. <laughs> um, but I think that's kind of what started it. But yeah, it wasn't. Um, but my, rec- I, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't like heavily recruited, and so really, like the. I remember Sergio Brown coming to my scout ball games. I remember I went to some baseball resource showcase um, and talked to Sergio a couple times. And, and that's kind of, you know, how ended up me coming to UC Irvine. Was
0: there a place you wanted to go?
1: I remember, you know, I was a good student in high school. Um, and so the Stanford thing always was, was like interesting because you knew, you know, they had Carlos Quentin and those right. guys playing on TV against the Cal state Fullerton's of the world every mm-hmm. year. It felt like, yeah. Um, Especially
0: those high school years for you. It was pretty dominant in California. Between yeah. Th- you know, one, two, three and four. Like, Holy Christ, between Long Beach and Fullerton, Sanf- uh, Stanford, Stanford, mm. um, Stanford and Fresno. I mean, a lot of teams on TV.
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, because I was a good student, um, the Stanford thing and seeing them on TV seemed like that was, yeah, why not go to Stanford? Um, Again, naive. Um, and I remember going up there and talking to their coach for a long time. And, you know, they just, there wasn't, you know, interest in Stanford. And I can't really blame them. Um, and then started playing the scout ball thing. And Sergio came out and we'd talk. And I liked Sergio. Um, and, again, but it was more of just this is a college coach and he's talking to me.
0: Right. <laughs> i not was, talking to anybody else. What was your first trip like coming to Irvine? Uh,
1: I came here – uh. Sergio met us. It was kind of a... I mean, I don't remember much about the visit. I don't remember much of what we talked about. With dad or with With my dad, with my dad. I think just me and my dad. Um, I think we walked around campus. We met... uh, We ended up sitting down with Coach Serrano in the old offices, which are a green portable building right now Mm -hmm. that um, kind of the soccer team and some uh, IT people use. Uh, I remember me and my dad sat down in Coach Serrano's office. We met Coach Bergeron... um, this was, that was coach Serrano's. He was in his first year here at UC Irvine right. having coming over from Fullerton and winning the national championship. Um, and he just kind of painted his vision of what Irvine could be, um, that he was going to be able to get this place to Omaha. Uh, and I remember, you know, just from Sergio and Berge and coach Serrano, them feeling like they kind of wanted me. And you know, again, I wasn't talking to schools. Um, so nobody wanted you, you know? And so the fact that somebody wanted you was really cool. Um, you know, they said, we, we want you so much that there's no scholarship. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, we qualified for a lot of financial aid, but they said, we like you so much that, you know, there's, there's no scholarship. And they're like, what do you think? And I said, can we go outside? And I remember we stepped outside and <laughs> walked back inside about three seconds later and set them in and committed to Irvine.
0: Just like that. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's crazy because, sure. because, you know, the, you look back at it, um, and you don't know anything. You know, I didn't know anything. Uh, we didn't know anything. And the fact that it, you know, it worked out to be the best place in the country where I could have been um, to have the experience and the career that I had, that when we're coming on this visit here, um, there's no way we could have known that. And we unfortunately might have said yes to anybody at any school. Um, but
0: Yeah, if you end up at Arizona State or you go... Well, or, I wasn't good enough there. Well, but, no, but, yeah. or, but if you do, or, yeah. or you go community yeah. college yeah. route and you're like, oh, let's see. I mean... You never know what happens.
1: Yeah. And so the fact that it's, you know, worked out how it did for me here as a player and what it's kind of led to beyond that is, um, you wish you could say it was some big plan that we had, but, um, it's pretty cool.
0: What was it like then for that first time coming and playing here on the field? Uh, D one college athlete. Now you get to put that on. You're like, I'm a Division one college athlete.
1: Yeah, I didn't look like when I weighed 140 pounds. I think my freshman year. Um, How tall were you
0: then? Your freshman year? Were you? I, I think it was as tall as I was. Okay. I was like 5'10. 5'10, yeah, Five ten. Five ten. Yeah. One forty. 140. Yeah. one forty. Just a beautiful build. Beautiful
1: yeah. build. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. The there Irvine had a lot of guys. Um. That year from the Ventura County. Uh, and I got Chad Lundahl from Thousand Oaks, Cody Cipriano from Westlake, uh, Brian Peterson, Justin Castle from Chatsworth, Ollie Linton from Crespi, right? Aaron Lowenstein from Calabasas. You knew some of these guys. I, I played against them. I didn't. Right. I didn't know, and they right. didn't know but me. Just... I knew who. I, hey, I knew who they were for sure. Um, and so it was like really cool playing on the same field as those guys. I never viewed myself as, you know, like a big time type player. I was trying to be a good high school player. Um, so I emerged being here get to practice and really um, I learned so much. I mean, Coach Serrano, Berge, Sergio, Chad Baum was here. Mm-hmm. Greg Wallace was an undergrad. Um, I learned so much about baseball that I never knew. Um, and that was awesome. Um, what, I,
0: what were you learning?
1: I, <laughs> I learned everything. I mean, I, I, I had a good high school coach um, who taught me about things, but this was like baseball 201. And, and you know, it, it'd be hard to even...
0: I mean, did they strip you down to like, okay, listen, we're starting from the feet up?
1: No, just the, the things that they think about that go on. I mean, Coach Serrano just won a national championship right. at Cal State Fullerton. You know, he'd worked for guys that, you know, Coach right. Dorito and Coach Horton. And so just the stuff that I was getting exposed to, like I had no idea... Was even you know opened my eyes to so many right. things. really it showed me how little I knew, um, but I love that. And I you know the, the the intellectual side of it, and then seeing how it makes me better, um, it was awesome. It was it was so much fun. It was hard work. I mean, it was hard. Um, just the day to day basis and how hard they pushed us. Um, was your
0: idea to play second base or shortstop, or did they put? you I somewhere? just wanted to
1: play. I mean, I just want. I mean, as a freshman, I just wanted. I mean, <laughs> be on the team. I and mean, you played
0: fifty six games.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, I started um, I started opening day at second base. Um, I hit second on opening night. Uh, Brian- what
0: was that like when they tell you you're going to start? They don't tell
1: you. They just post it, and you see the lineup, and I can't remember if I was surprised or if I thought, yeah, of course. Well, you had to
0: have a feeling coming up into the week. Like- yeah, I'm,
1: I'm, I was playing well, and I think I was doing, you know, it was their second year, and I think I was able to do the things that, you know, they, when you're limited physically, you kind of got to do everything that, you, the coaches want you to do to have a chance to be good. Um, and so I could play defense and I was smart and I could bunt and wouldn't strike out. And <laughs> that was good enough, I guess. And so I remember hitting second, uh, and we played Cal on opening night and Brandon Morrow was the pitcher. And, uh, <laughs> he's, he was going a hundred miles an hour, 101. And, um, <laughs> I remember thinking if this is what college is like, I'll never get a hit. Uh, I think what was
0: your first at bat like what were you doing you you dig in and go okay here we go
1: <laughs> I'm sure I probably got a take side in the first pitch which was good and I don't remember what I did my first at bat um I think you have to go back and check I think I broke up his perfect game with a hit by pitch I think um and then my first college hit I can't remember if it was Friday night or Saturday um I hit a ball like 74 feet to the four hole and nobody covered first. Um, And I thought that was about how I'm going to have to get hit to this level. Um, So that's what I remember from that early part. And then then later in the year, I think once we got to conference, I remember we lost maybe five in a row maybe. And I think I played shortstop, I think, on Sunday of our first weekend series. You're nodding, so maybe I'm right. Um, And I played shortstop every game after that for the next three and a half years.
0: Yeah. And they saw something to move you over. Figure we're gonna let you can run this thing.
1: Yeah, I think we were kind of. Again, I wish my memory was better. Um,
0: Your back came late. That's for certain.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was. I wasn't. I wasn't yeah, good 217. enough. Two seventeen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I weighed one hundred and forty pounds, and I couldn't zero extra base hits. I remember that part. Yeah. Um. And so, it just I needed to get stronger, and I needed to get better. Um, yeah.
0: You guys made the regional, went to Pepperdine.
1: Yeah, yeah, we made the regionals. Um. We played UCLA in game one um Pepperine hosted missouri with max scherzer was yep. the four seed yep um
0: how'd you do against max
1: we, we didn't face him i mean he's got around him <laughs> yeah the, the how
0: did pepperdine ever get a regional without lights
1: yeah i remember we played a long extra inning game that people are waiting to come into the stadium and uh, i mean unfortunately <laughs> the lasting memory from that regional i mean i hit into a six four three double play to end our season um with, with Cody Cipriano on deck and a one-run game, first and second, one out, and I hit into a 6-4-3 to end our season. Yeah, um, so I, 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 I did see that. I <laughs> got a, I have a good memory about that. Um, you wish you could remember, you know, the good things as much as the bad things. But, yeah, yeah I hit into a 6-4-3 to end our season.
0: What was your summer like? Did you, you decide, okay, I got to put on some weight? This kid can't weigh 140 the rest of his career. Um. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was part of it for sure. Um,
0: Now it's college life, you've gotten that first year under your belt.
1: Yeah, I I never, um, even throughout my pro career, I mean, I always could and still could now, you know, eat better and do that stuff, you know, actually cook or grocery shop. Um, I always could have done that stuff better, but I I really, I never lifted weights really in high school. So I I, I enjoyed lifting and I got stronger. Um,
0: Well, the batting average went up to 324. Something happened. What clicked?
1: Uh, I got better. I mean, I think we, there were really good coaches here and, and I wanted to, it was really important to me. Um,
0: did you just absorb it like a sponge?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it was whatever you say, Dave, whatever you yeah, say, Serge, I'm just, yeah, bergie you know, they, then they, you know, I think they, they took a, you know, an interest in me and they wanted to help me get better. And, and I, I liked to work and, you know, I feel like, um, kind of my whole life, I always felt like, you know, there's, if you're willing to outwork people, you got a chance. Um, and it was, it was just, it was really, really important for me to get better and to be good. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't really know the drill for that or the drill that made that happen, but it was like really, really important to me, um, that I was able to get better. Did
0: you put in extra work? Like I'm going to grind whatever I need to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, I, it was easy for me because you know, it, it's what I wanted to do, and so to to come early and hit, and to stay late and hit, and it's like that's what I wanted to do, um, and so so I think that's what helped me get good and uh, or get better, um, and knowing that <laughs> I got to get better. I mean, I ended our season on a six four three, and um, I wanted to get better. You know, they were playing me every day, and I you know I wanted to get better, and was able to get better.
0: I remember seeing Dave in that series, and he said, "Watch Ben. He's a player. He's a player." In 7 in that 07 year and that year, cause it, you guys make a run, you go 47 and 17 mm-hmm. and you happen to go, I'm sitting right here. I'm looking you, There's, there's a photo of you in the greatest stadium ever built in Omaha. What was that like your sophomore year?
1: I mean, it was awesome. It, I mean, it, it's things are clicking. You're winning. Yeah. I mean, the, the individual moments, you know, are hard to remember. And, you know, I remember even my freshman year, you know, we played, uh, we played Cal State Fullerton six times that year. Um, and Cal State Fullerton, so you grow up seeing on TV every mm-hmm. year. I mean, I'm, I remember vividly watching Mark Kotze sitting in my parents' bedroom in Omaha in Rosenblatt, you know, in the, the blue seats and the yellow seats. And um, and we played Fullerton six times my freshman year, not to backtrack. And uh, that Fullerton team had all the names that you know. They'll be right. too long to say on here. And um, we went two and four against them that year. And I thought, wow, that's really good. Because, like, this team is – I mean, there's this team is –
0: There's major leaguers on this team. They lost
1: to North Carolina that year. We went two and four against them. And, you know, we were Irvine. We were four years into a program. Um, And it's like, that's a big deal that we went two and four against them. Um, And so I think that next year, 07, I think we thought we were going to be good. But, I mean, we didn't know. Uh, I think we had a bunch of guys kind of like, that felt similar things to me that weren't the guys that people thought were good. And, um, some cast offs, the guys went to other places that didn't mm-hmm. work out. Um, some guys that weren't heavily recruited. Um, we had really, really good coaches. Uh, and I think it was important to all of us to try to like show that, you know, why can't we win? Why can't we be good? Um, and to do what we did, um, you know, going through that, we won that regional at Texas. You know, I don't remember a lot about the regular season. Um, we won the regional at Texas. I remember that, uh, at dish fault cause or at a uh, dish fault was getting renovated. So we played it at round rock, um, <laughs> which was sweet. Uh, and then
0: Wichita, right? And
1: then Wichita state. We want it. So we, we and, uh, walk off hit by Brian Peterson, who was my roommate to send us to Omaha for the first time in the history of the school.
0: And you guys don't come home. I remember that, yeah, right? You yeah. don't come home. You go straight to Nebraska. We,
1: yeah. it's a good memory. Yeah. We bust straight to Omaha. Um, and it was awesome. That must
0: have been one hell of a bus ride.
1: Yeah, it was great. It was, it Did was, it drive
0: or you guys float it there? Because you guys just <laughs> it on cloud nine. I, I
1: mean, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. Um, I mean, because you're
0: two years removed from not playing maybe college baseball. So yeah. now you're going to the pinnacle, Omaha. Like, I've got photos of Jared Weaver with mm-hmm. Omaha written under his cap. Never got there. I mean, there's great players that have never, ever gotten there. Max, you faced him. Yeah. And now you're going.
1: Yeah, it was really cool, and and I think just the, um, you know, that sense of accomplishment of a team, of like going to Texas and beating Texas, you know, and I remember just the, that practice day at the regional um, at Texas, they were practicing before us, and I remember walking to the stadium, and they had shorts on, and they were kind of like, it looked like, Going yeah. through the motions. It looked like a country club practice yeah. a little bit. And I think that's, you know, you know, Coach Serrano. And I think especially his first couple of years here, you know, what he was trying to build here that I remember, like, seeing them practice on Thursday and knowing that we were going to win um, and winning that thing. And then going to Wichita State. And it was – they set, I think, attendance records that weekend. Um and then going to Omaha and that and bus And a
0: big place. If people haven't gone there, it's a big place, and it means a lot to them.
1: Yeah, and it's loud, and there was... I mean, I actually, in game two of that, we blew a lead in the ninth. I mean, partially, because I, I threw a ball wide. Um, our first baseman stayed... an awful throw, but our first baseman stayed on the base. They called him out. Gene Stevenson, the legend, comes out. There were 7,000 people yelling, and they changed the call safe. Um, Don't turn this into a therapy, Ben. No, no and we... <laughs> We had to come back and um and we, we, we walk him off, you know, in the bottom half of the inning. Right. And, and go to I just think <laughs> you're gonna try to say nice things, so I wanna bring make sure the other <laughs> side comes out too. Um <laughs> we gotta keep it real. But
0: no, it's true, right? It's those painful moments that you're like, Oh, I just threw the ball. Wide. Yeah, yeah, and Damn it, it. But,
1: but yeah, and then we we go to Omaha and I remember as we we're going up the hill, Coach surrounded had obviously been to Omaha a lot. I remember him telling us to close our eyes and then open your eyes and you can see Rosenblad, and you've just seen this thing on TV and you didn't think that it was real. You know, I think it did similar again, not to kind of all over the place, but when we played Fullerton for that first time, just the college baseball fan that I was the first time I saw coach Horton, I've told him this, like, I legitimately saw, like, a TV box around his head. Like, I thought I was watching TV. Um, and that's what it was at, at, at Rosenblatt. I remember we, I stood in the, in, the, in the dugout next to Sergio. I think we walked it before we practiced. I think we walked it one day, practiced the next day, and um, I was standing next to him in the dugout, and he's like, I was standing right here when Mark Kotze. I was like, that's so cool. And so the Omaha experience and how they treat you in that city, and, it, I mean, it was unbelievable.
0: I mean, that stadium... I don't know how it was not a national monument. It's got so much rich history there. It's beautiful. The people that have played, presidents have played, presidents have thrown opening pitches. It's view, what it means to the city. I'm glad you got to play there because it's, there's nothing like it and there will never, ever be anything like it. No, it's, that's for sure. It's corporate now. It's cement. It's built literally on a dump. It just doesn't have the same feel. So for you guys to get there and then what happens? Of all things, you end up playing Fullerton.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. was
0: that crazy that you're playing another Big West team?
1: Yeah, was, and, and they were good. But um, they were bad
0: because they were the fourth seed. They yeah. should not have made the tournament.
1: Yeah, Riverside won the conference that yeah. year with four guys that ended up pitching the big leagues. Yeah, but it was Fullerton, and it was Coach Horton. And, you right. know, for a long time, you know, what that, and again, this is sacrilegious working <laughs> where I work. But, you but know, it's, but it's what, true. What it's true. It's Fullerton, the yes. Titans, like what that meant and that aura about them right and, i mean it's, um, let's be real it meant something back then no question no question and uh yeah and we lose in the first game to to arizona state and mike Leek and brett wallace um then we play a marathon game and beat cal state fullerton in extra innings the
0: longest game ever longest
1: game in the history of rosenblatt or the college world series for sure rosenblatt. Rosenblatt. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> you guys played the noon game and went mm-hmm. so long the six o'clock game was delayed you guys went mm-hmm. on for so long
1: yeah, and then we And, and you, it ends up being the last game that Coach Horton ever coaches there because Taylor Holiday hit by pitch. Right. Um
0: Which is crazy. That's his last game, yeah. and it's Rick's first. And then he comes in.
1: Yeah, and then <laughs> so bizarre. And then we then we beat Arizona State, who was a really good team. Loaded. Um in extra innings, coming from behind, uh Pat Murphy. Yeah, with a bunch of big leagues. That Arizona State team was And then we play Oregon State and, you know, we kind of just ran out of you know, it was a different format back then with less off days. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. They beat us, I think, 7-1. to one. I remember there being a call at first base on a high throw. That, that kind of changed the momentum of that. We started Christian Bergman, who ended up pitching three years in the big leagues, and pitch, gave us a chance to win. Um, and that's they, went, they beat North Carolina, I think, a couple of nights later to win the national championship.
0: Did the family come out to watch you?
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they were out there. They were out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It, what was it like for you? when you run out there and you take your spot, did you look out at that stadium and go, oh my God, those colors. I've seen them on TV, the blue, the yellow, the orange.
1: I think he, I think it was more before the games. I think during the game, you're kind of playing the game. And I think the, how you're kind of treated around that city. It's like, you're like a celebrity and that's for where, we yeah. are you? Who was your,
0: ho- your host? Do you remember
1: one of those rotary clubs? Right. I me- I really remember practicing at uh blinking on the high school um
0: west something right there's always west yeah, high and east yeah, high they're always yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and wish. people come out they want your autograph yeah
1: yeah and you're a celebrity Keep, the kids are hanging on the fence yeah they think you're cool and it's, it's yeah, awesome you're the
0: greatest thing ever you're from california
1: yeah i I, right. I like yeah i remember just to being so different at rosenblatt from where it went at texas it was so loud and everybody loved texas and then wichita was so loud and everybody loved wichita and you get to Rosenblatt, it's this big stadium, but it's like a big league game. Like, it's just kind of... Right. It's there's 20,000 people. There's a people. lot of people there. If somebody makes a good play, everybody cheers. Um, but it kind of being like a easier environment than the last two that we were just at because it's kind of just like a neutralish ish right. environment.
0: Everybody just loves all the teams.
1: Yeah, and I don't, yeah, and I don't think the stakes really... I don't really remember feeling intimidated or overwhelmed or because we were too, we were too naive and we didn't know anything. You didn't know any better. And we just thought, of course we're going to win. Like, you know, we beat Texas, we beat Wichita, we beat Arizona state. Of course we're going to win. Yeah.
0: We're playing on house money at this point. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's crazy. I covered the game in 2001 when Fullerton plays Nebraska. And that's the most hostile I've seen that crowd be because it was Nebraska and it was bonkers. But after that, it's always been very much. We're just happy that you're here and enjoying our our lovely stadium in our little town. And it's Mardi Gras for two weeks, and let's play ball. That was it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what it's like. And it's it's. But but you said it. I mean, about the National Monument. I mean, that place is so special and the history. It's it's really really special, and I think it's one of those things that. Um, You know, you wish you go back in time and appreciate it more because it's hard when you're in the moment and you're 19 years old. Yeah. um, But, yeah, it's it's really, really special.
0: You're running around like an idiot just doing
1: your thing. Uh, Yeah.
0: (laughs) So there's a huge change then between your sophomore and junior year, and it could be a change that sets you up for where you're at now. Dave decides to leave and go 20 miles north, and a guy who nobody wanted anymore – Comes here, Gillespie. Talk about that. That must have been like this weird—the guy who loved you, and a guy who becomes an unbelievable mentor to you.
1: Yeah, it was. It was hard. I mean, I remember um, he interviewed at Oregon that same off season. I remember him calling me when he was going to Oregon and like talking about that process. And I, I don't, I don't think it, looking back on it now. I mean, he didn't owe me that. I mean, the fact that he would do that is special and not. <laughs> Not normal, right, um that he would worry about me or talk to me at all about that process. that's not normal right
0: um, i mean as, as your junior year, were you thinking, okay, we've got a team we we're legit here, and then with Dave leaving, did that kind of worry you with a new coach? things could be different
1: uh yeah, when he left i mean i'll take I'll go back one step just because it's a good story um when he the Oregon thing fell through, we thought he was staying. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was September when he took that Fullerton job, and uh, I remember a bunch of us had already moved into our our houses here at school. And I remember, you know, I was, was a couple of us were coming to lift one morning, whatever it was, and Bergy calls me and he says, "Like, a team meeting at one o'clock, and school hadn't started yet." And he's like, "See if you can round up the guys." And I was like, "All right, that's weird." And so we go lift. Um, and as we're lifting and we don't, we're dumb. We don't think anything of it. Um, we're lifting and our strength coach comes out of his office and says, come look at this. And it's on baseball American show. It said, Dave Serrano takes the Fullerton job. And I 100% thought, oh, that's what we're talking about. He's going to tell us that's not true and finished working out. And that's 100% what I thought. Um, and then we finish working out and we're coming to the field. And as we're like getting to the gate, uh, I see Bergie in the stands talking on a cell phone, Sergio in the stands talking on a cell phone, a couple assistant ads here, and it's like, oh no, that is true, he is leaving. Um, and so we have a meeting downstairs, you know, he tells us, you know, what this team's meant to him, and um, you know, that he's going to Cal State Fullerton, you know, and um everybody was kind of all stunned and speechless because this was our coach. And, you know, for in college baseball, you make your college decision based on a lot of things, but the biggest piece being the coach. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. And so um, I remember that and then he left and my now sports supervisor, his sports supervisor spoke for a couple minutes and then he left. And I remember all of us sitting in our, you know, locker room, (laughs) nobody saying anything. And uh, I remember thinking like, Somebody's got to say something. Um, and I remember just saying, like, you know, they'll hire a new coach and we'll keep winning, something. Um, and then Coach Gillespie being hired.
0: Were, were you even aware of what Mike's situation was?
1: No, no. I mean, I, I knew the name and that he was a successful coach at USC, but it, it, you know, when you're in college, you don't know you're not following those people like we are now. And Kendall Rogers tweets something. Right. Everybody knows who everybody is. Um, so no, no, I didn't know his situation.
0: Okay. I knew yeah. he was
1: at USC for a long time and really successful. Right. And now currently not at SC.
0: Right. Yeah. Cause it's a very interesting situation on how these dominoes fall for coaches. But when you're a college guy, if you're not aware, you have no idea.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, remember still it's 2007. And so there's no Twitter and you can't, you can't, find out what people think about There's the internet. That's it. That's the
0: version of social media. Yeah. And
1: and, and, you know, and that that process started so late that I remember meeting some of the candidates that that were coming here to interview and they didn't hire coach Gillespie till after school already started for us. And we had kind of already had our calendar that coach Serrano laid out for us in the fall. Um, And so we were just, we were just doing that. And we didn't have coaches and we were going to weights as a team. We were doing conditioning. We were practicing as a team for like, Two or three weeks until Coach Gillespie got hired.
0: Did you take that leadership role of rounding guys up? Yeah,
1: it was me and some other guys. I mean, we had like a group of guys that wanted to win and kind of experienced some winning last year and thought we could keep winning. And you know, we we knew, you know, Coach uh, Coach Serrano had set such a good tone and his staff yeah. on what's needed to be done to win, and we saw it worked. And so it's like, let's just keep doing that. Like we don't need we don't need them to tell us <laughs> what to do. Yeah, we've done this for two years, and yeah. so we just. Practiced and did it, and um, and then you know after two or three weeks of doing that, then Coach Gillespie was able to start you know coaching us.
0: How was that dealing with a new coach? Now, um,
1: it was different for sure, and just his, you know, I know it's some of the stuff you'll talk about later, but I think his personality is a completely different person than Coach Serrano. You know, Coach Serrano was a pitching guy. Coach mm-hmm. Gillespie was an offensive guy. Right, their personalities are completely different. Um, Coach Gillespie was more involved with every facet of the game. Coach Serrano was more the head coach, run the program, be the pitching coach. Um, And so as a position player, you kind of dealt with Coach Serrano at the beginning of practice, at the end of practice, and then during some of the team stuff. But like, you know, and so Coach Gillespie was more involved. And, um, you know, he was louder um, (laughs) than Coach Serrano. But I think everybody knew – I mean, you know his track record and the presence that he has – um, I mean, he he demands his presence and voice and experience and knowledge. I mean, it demands respect, and um, so it was really easy to, um, you know, it was different. It, and and how he did things was completely different than how Chris Ronard did things. And it was hard, mm-hmm. um, and it was hard, um, but it was. Did, it was now, really did you
0: guys hard. try to carry on? Okay, these are things Dave did and then we're going to try to blend them with what Mike's going to do? Because I know the whole running on the field, running off the field was a very Dave thing.
1: Yeah, there were, there were some things. And th- then you guys th- carried that. Yeah, there were some things that stuck. Um, I remember Ollie Linton, who was a really, really good player. Um, I remember him telling Coach Gillespie at one point um, something to the effect of, hey, this team's different. Like, we do some things different. Like, uh, <laughs> and, but, 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 no, we, we did what Coach Gillespie – I mean, he came mm-hmm. and instituted his program, and we did what he – wanted us to do. And some of the things like running on the field carried over. Um, but it was, it was, you know, it was, it was Coach Gillespie's program and, and, you know, and it worked out. It was, it was a really good thing.
0: Right. Cause like 15 years later, I still see the guys running on and off the field. Yeah.
1: And that's, I mean, I, am kind of not embarrassed by it, but I don't, I, I don't, I think it's kind of lost. I don't think the kids understand why we do it. You know, I could right. coach trying to explain why we do it. And it's kind of just like always been there. And it's like, I think as a coach, there's some things you care enough to change. And there's some things it's like, eh, okay. You know, yeah. I can. Do, let the guys do that yeah
0: (laughs) they want to run in their sandals let them go for it well i mean you guys didn't have a bad year i mean you got to the super regional and play in a monster stadium at lsu for the love of god
1: yeah we had a great year um you know we won you mentioned nebraska we won the regional at nebraska um hostile
0: territories could you guys ever until your senior year get a place that was comfortable
1: i mean good Nebraska
0: and lsu
1: yeah it was you know that that nebraska regional was awesome. I remember, I mean, the facilities were crazy. The fans were awesome. <laughs> our third baseman the year before, Tyler Vaughn, he had transferred. He was gone now, but he had transferred from Nebraska to Irvine, and I texted him from the Nebraska regional, and I was like, you went from this place to that place? <laughs> uh, What's wrong with you, kid? <laughs> and uh, I remember that, that you know, that, that winner's bracket Saturday night game is like, I mean, that's what determines the regional winner, right? It really does. And, yeah. um, our pitching coach now, Danny Babona. Um, threw in that game against a guy named Johnny Dorn who's a f- senior all-american had thrown a no-hitter a couple of weeks earlier was oh, that um, all and I remember uh, their bullpen was beyond the fence and before the game when he's like finished the warm-ups and he's walking on the dugout it's like a standing ovation it's like oh wow like it's pretty cool <laughs> um, we beat them in a close game and oral Roberts ended up beating them and then our director of baseball operations, soon to be development officer, Bryce Stoll, dominated Earl Roberts, was the MVP of the tournament. And we went to LSU and LSU had won 20 something in a row at that time. Um, It was big ball against little ball and we had no shot. And um, I think we beat them pretty handily on Friday night, maybe 11 of four. Um, And then on Saturday, Danny pitched and we were winning, I think, seven to two after seven and seven of four after eight and Lost nine to skip at five runs in the ninth and got beat. Um, and that then place it, must have gone bonkers. It was the lot was, and then okay, and then the next day we lose twenty one to seven. I, I remember some of.
0: Wait, <laughs> since, Irvine has football backs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> since since time has passed, the guys that were in the bullpen have told me in years past that on that Saturday night, Saturday night where we're winning seven to four in the ninth, they said that fans we're begging them to not dogpile like on the last game at Alex box, like during that night, you know, in that ninth inning, as they score five runs and, um, and heartbreaker. And, um, and then, but our, you know, we, we, we had Bryce stole to pitch game three and mm-hmm. uh, I remember all, and he had just pitched the best he'd pitch all year the week before against Oral Roberts and ends up signing for $750,000 a couple of weeks later. And I remember thinking like, you know, we'll get him tomorrow. Like, because we, had, you know, was, we had dominated seventeen of the eighteen right. innings, um, and we didn't. You know, those
0: bats came out, and all of a sudden it was just on top of you.
1: Yeah, and it is. You know, it was, and we were still in it at some point, but it got, you know, it got out of hand. And um, LSU went to Omaha.
0: Right. It's amazing how, like, all of a sudden you can just feel that momentum, and they just start pounding the ball out of there.
1: Yeah, I mean they were really good, and yeah, that environment, and it was hot, and the ball was flying, and and they were really good, and and you know they. They got to dogpile the last game <laughs> of the old Alex box.
0: Now, was there any feel your your junior year of there could be a draft and I'm going? Because it's not that weird thing like juniors go.
1: Yeah, I, th- I thought, you know, I thought because I had become a pretty good player that junior year, you get drafted, you sign. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like everybody, um, you get drafted lower than you think you're going to get drafted. Right. Um, but still thinking that I was going to sign. Um, kind of how that thing ended at LSU. Um, I wanted to come back and try to go to Omaha. Um, you know, I, that's, that's, again, I, I, when I was in high school, I wasn't really worried about, I didn't know college was like a, I mean, I wanted to play in college, but I didn't know what you do. Right. Um, I wanted to be a big leader, but like I I, you know, I had a great college experience and we were winning and, you know, I, I said, what's better than this? And I wanted to come back. I wanted to go to Omaha. And so I, I didn't sign and um, came back for my senior year.
0: What are you studying at the time?
1: I mean, I was playing baseball. I was, I, I, uh, I, <laughs> who listens to these podcasts? Um, just your father. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't take school very serious. Um, I was able to get by without putting in a lot of effort. Um, I always knew I wanted to play for as long as I could play. Then once I started playing for coach Toronto and his staff, I wanted to coach as long as I could coach. Then I should drop a Jim Harbaugh and then die. Yeah. Um, but uh, when I had to declare a major, I was undecided. And Brian Peterson, he was a year older than me. I said, what's your major? He's like, criminology. I said, do you like it? He's like, yeah. I said, all right, that's what I'll do. So that, that was criminology. Okay. But I was just taking
0: you enough just taking the to be able to, to play. I,
1: I knew, you know, I, there wasn't a major. that was baseball coaching or
0: that. All right, if, so. you look, if you can look back and tell young Ben before his freshman year, hey, young man, you know. Is this a good idea to look at this? Would you do that? Would you say, okay, maybe I take business administration or whatever? No, I would have done it exactly the same. <laughs> I would have done it exactly the same. I went, I went the path of least resistance, and
1: um, <laughs> and I, you know, I got a chance to do what I always wanted to do. Sure. I mean, it worked so out, I, I do, you never know. I would have done it exactly the same.
0: <laughs> All right. So your, your senior year, you guys run through conference, 22 and 2. You guys are on fire. Things are working. You guys are, at some point you guys are the number 1 team in the country. I mean, things For are a long time. Yeah, things are happening. Was that surprising? Again, this is a kid who almost doesn't go and play D1 ba- uh baseball and now you're on the number 1 team in the country?
1: No, I think from from seeing what we were the last 2 years, um I think it's exactly what we thought. I mean, I think that's why that's why, you know, I didn't sign. I wanted to come back. I knew we were going to be good. Um, you know, by then we had gotten to play against Nebraska and Texas and Arizona State and so that's like us. Right. And so it, it was not a surprise to any of us. Um, and I, th- I think we were ranked number one in the country, I want to say, for two months. Um, and to think of that now in, you know, the area that we're at, I mean, that's remarkable. Uh, but I, th- I think it went exactly how we thought it would. And I think it just speaks to the the relentlessness of that team. I mean, Santa Barbara just, I mean, I, I never thought anybody would approach 22-2 and two ever again to win every single weekend is so hard and santa barbara did it this year but right um but i think it was exactly what we thought would happen
0: uh, how was it getting a regional at irvine
1: hey by then i think you're getting older that you kind of learn a little bit more about college baseball and you probably wish that we didn't do as good when they would send us somewhere um
0: but it's it was interesting isn't that funny to be sent somewhere all the distraction is gone
1: yeah and i think just the um the I think when the teams from the West play other teams, stylistically, it benefits the West, um, in my opinion. Uh, so to, to so playing here, we knew Strasburgs from the regional, and it was sweet. Yeah, what
0: they call that the regional of death? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, Strasburg
1: is here, Virginia, and the defending national champion Fresno State. Oh, that's all. Yeah, and so <laughs> so yeah, we we got no cupcake four seed and beat Fresno, and um, that was the start of that this run that Virginia went on of you know, Coach O'Connor and. 450 wins i think in a nine-year span and danny Holson, who ended up being the number two overall pick or whatever chris taylor and um you know they, they they were young i mean they had a lot of freshmen sophomores and and they played better than us that weekend
0: i mean it, it ends on may 31st on that sunday mm-hmm. against virginia right i, I watched the game because uh, it was on ESPN, I, I believe it. There was a copy of a copy, but I think Phil Nevin was one of the announcers <laughs> in that regional. Um, this deep booming voice is pretty distinct. What was that like being there? And you're thinking, "Damn it, we were right there." They score a couple runs in the ninth. This is this. Why is this happening?
1: Yeah, I don't remember that regional very well. Um, <laughs> Have
0: you blocked that out of your mind? Yeah, I
1: think so. Um, yeah, just the disappointment of this season that we have. And, you know, it all ends at some point for every team. But I think, you know, with how good we were, with how we were rolling, um, really the last two years in a row, um, you're never prepared for it to end. And, you know, I, I probably, <laughs> to per- protect myself, probably it's good that I can't remember, you know, just that the college career's over, that this is done, you know, and you got to move on to what's next because, you know, you don't want to move on.
0: Right. But you get drafted.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got drafted in the ninth round by the Houston Astros, and um, that was awesome. You know, it was awesome. I was sitting in my house at Newport, you know, when I got drafted.
0: I mean, are are you thinking, okay, wherever I go, it doesn't matter. I'm going.
1: Yeah, it's a lot easier. This is a senior. You, you have no leverage. Well, wait um, a minute.
0: You were taking criminal justice. You weren't thinking about being an attorney in Newport? And-
1: no, I, had, I have no working backup. Working in the DA's office I or something? No backup plan. That would have not lasted at all. Um yeah, I got drafted and it was awesome. And, you know, you, same deal. You, you'd heard, hey, it could be five to 10. And you're like, I should be drafted higher in the fifth round. I'm good. Um, <laughs> you know, and get a call and get picked by the Astros in the ninth round. And it was awesome.
0: I mean, your you're batting now has gone through the roof. You're, you're way better batter than that skinny little freshman. Mm-hmm. You won a major award. You know, that doesn't happen very often. I mean, and, and you're all over the record books.
1: Yeah, when you, when you don't when you play for four years instead of yeah. three, like some of the good players, yeah. you got a chance to, you know, to be on some of that stuff. That's
0: all right. Sometimes it works okay. out. I mean, so you get drafted. What are your expectations on that minor league experience? Because there's horror stories. There's great stories. Like, was it what you thought it was going to be? Were you worried? What? what?
1: Um, I think by then it was kind of like how I felt about the team. I felt like, yeah, I'm a good player. I mean, I remember the confidence that you know you kind of the team developed why can't we win and even as a player of like and I wasn't like recruited but like now I'm like I think I'm pretty good um even my sophomore year I remember I always wanted to play for Team USA and that year uh Danny Espinoza and Brandon Crawford were were both my age and I used to always be like I'm gonna play on Team USA I'm gonna make a point that when we play them like well everyone will know who the better guy is um and that's the competitor in you. Of course, of course I was wrong. I mean, um, you know, maybe, you know, you look at what those guys did. So of course I was wrong, but I think that was the same kind of mindset in pro ball of like, I think I can be good. Like, I don't, I don't think it really matters where I go or who's there. I think I can be good. Um, and so it was, it was, you know, it's, it's minor league baseball. I think when kids grow up, you know, nobody, you dream of being a major league baseball player. Right. And you don't really think about what minor league baseball is. Um, and so that was kind of uh, disappointing is not the right word, but it's just, it's not what you see on TV and it's not what you thought. And I was, you know, so fortunate for my college career. I mean, I'm playing in Rosenblatt, I'm playing, you know, that you're going and playing in, you know, some of these places and it's like, you're winning. playing in
0: Irvine, you're a mile from the beach. I mean, yeah,
1: but that stuff never mattered. It was, it was the baseball stuff. Um, and you're just, you just, it, it just was always about team. And it always mattered and winning. Um, and you get to that environment and, Winning doesn't matter. Team doesn't matter. Um, it really and it's, doesn't, right? It's, no, not at all. And, it, you know, and, and not to critical of anybody, but, like, I, I mean, I was, you know, you look back on it. The, the coaches that I was able to play for in college were, like, Hall of Famers. And you go to Pro Bowl, and I'm somebody that really loves knowledge and learning, and you're playing for some of the guys in Pro Bowl. And you're like, man, like, I thought, like. You know, there's a high school coach, there's a college coach, there's a minor league coach. And that hierarchy doesn't exist. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and I was spoiled by how good my college experience was. And so some of that stuff was, not. again, I, I, I want to find a better word than disappointing, um, but it's just not what you think it's going to be odd, when you're a shocking. young kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, but, th-
0: that's that's something about minor league baseball, and I've seen it. When I was with the Angels, I was really shocked. Like, And I think there's a lot of organizations that could have had better players. If they had better minor leagues, they can ruin a player in the minor leagues or make a player in the minor leagues. And there's a lot of organizations that wonder why they keep losing and they don't want to look at their minor leagues and go, "Well, we don't have quality in there.
1: Yeah. And it's a, it's a tough system. And, um, you know, uh, you know, just the split between scouting and player development that, you know, people, the scouts, they're the ones that find the players and player development is the one that coaches them. And there's lots of turnover and the, you know, the, player development people don't have the ultimate say in who plays or who does what um you know which i'm sure we'll get to which kind of ended my career um so it's a it's a tough world but um there's really good player i mean play against them the talent and the players that you see in that world are like not like anything you see in college and that part's like really really cool
0: and guys are killing each other in in the minor leagues everybody's just trying to get up to the next the low A to get to the high a to get doubled i mean so there's fighting where in college you're all on the same team and everybody's playing together and they're always worried about sack bunting or moving anybody across. It's numbers. Everybody's trying to get numbers in the minor leagues.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the minor leagues were kind of hard for me because um in college I always felt um a sense of anxiousness or nervousness. Like it was always a around on the team. Like you wanted again, that's like, I remember the bad at bats and the errors that cost the team. Like the team was what always mattered to me. Um, and that gave you like that adrenaline. Um, and then you get to minor league baseball and I remember like being tired. And I was like, I've never been tired before and now you're playing every day you're traveling. Mm-hmm. But I think it was just cause it was just about you. And I was like, it's like weird. Like that's not really that special when it's just about me. Like I'll get a hit or I won't. And like the game will keep, you know, it's not, Right. It's about winning. Um, so so that, that was a big that was a big adjustment and um, to be able to perform well in that environment where it's about you, it's not about the
0: team, I think it's a
1: little bit of a of a mentality switch.
0: I mean, I'd look at you as like the ultimate Navy SEAL because they will say Navy SEALs don't want the biggest guy or the smartest guy, the strongest guy. Like they don't want the incredible Hulk. They want the best team player, period. Because it's within the team. You gotta have everybody has to be the perfect spoke within that wheel. And that's kind of like when you look at your stats, you're the absolute best teammate, right? You're, you're, you're that guy, and the way you're just talking about it, you're the Navy Seal. Of
1: I lacked I certainly lacked so the lack of physical traits, maybe fit for Navy Seal, not the ah, toughness, of not, not the toughness, not the courage, not the bravery, um, the, 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 other, the, under, the other stuff. Yeah, it, I mean, but it's about team. I mean, that's what I mean, That's what like mattered, and that's you know, and,
0: where do you think you get that draw of team? Um, early on, was that just something you embraced and loved? Yeah,
1: yeah, I guess so. I mean, I've, I've, yeah, I've been on a team since I'm four years old. I mean, I just, you know, I've.
0: <laughs> Have you ever played an individual sport like tennis or wrestling? No,
1: no, 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 no. I mean, I, I enjoy being on a team. Like, I enjoy um, the
0: guys, the camaraderie, the
1: yeah, enjoy, enjoy seeing guys do well that benefits you, that you can make an impact on other people, that you know, I, that that really like. I like being on a team. I, it's not about you know. And it, it, it. I think being on a team too. You go for four and you win. That you can still feel good about life. Like that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or you can do something that helps the. You know, you get a big hit that makes thirty guys
0: happy. Like that. That's cool. The 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 greatest thing I saw in my research, it, and, I, and I was really <laughs> shocked. What do you, what do you think it was? You're giggling. I, I,
1: I couldn't tell you. I couldn't I'm going to tell, tell
0: you because I think it's a great event. the The baseball or the World Baseball Classic. Uh-huh. I had no idea. You played in the you were in the qualifiers in 2012.
1: Yeah, I think. Um, Tell me how
0: about how's that? How does that evolve? No, right, you had said you want to play with Team USA.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think um, I laugh. <laughs> I didn't know that's what you were going to mention.
0: Um, <laughs> what did you think I was going to say? I don't know what
1: you were going to mention. Um, you
0: switched to being <laughs> a switch hitter. No,
1: I no. I think. No, um, I think that's really
0: cool. Yeah,
1: I, I laugh um, because I've heard that from a couple of people, and and of the list of things that I've been able to be a part of. Um, that's not one of the ones that for me register some of the, like the right. emotions, stuff like that, that you had, um, and not to like minimize, but like for me uh, of the list of things I've been able to do, that's not one of the things that I would like consider interesting when I look at me or I think back up, um, my dad's whole family's Jewish. Right. Um, I certainly was not good enough to play for team USA. Um, certainly at that level, um, and so this was, you know, the to play on Team Israel. It's very loose, uh, loose qualifications to, be right. able to fit the mold for that team.
0: It's always like that with everybody. Yeah, and know. that's how those teams can yeah, be competitive. Yeah, Piazza didn't play for Italy yeah, and stuff. Yeah, and and so, my so, Eric Gagne was So they're Canada. looking
1: for players, right? Um, and at that time, I think. But, it was but maybe, you get a phone
0: call like, "Hey, I, I, I can't remember exactly. I mean, we're I, looking for Jewish
1: players." No, I, I think I think that year in the minor leagues, I think they gave us all like papers about like, do you qualify for any of these States? I think these countries (laughs) were trying to put together teams. right? Uh, And so I remember doing that. And I remember being really cool, getting chosen for that to be able to play in the world baseball classic. Uh, But you know what our world baseball classic event, you know, they was, we, we, we went to Jupiter, Right, you're in Florida, uh, and I was I, in that was 2000. I'd been a pretty good minor leaguer by then. Uh, we go to Jupiter, Florida. Brad Oshman's was the manager. Gabe Kapler's a coach. Sean Green's a coach. He comes out of retirement, right? Yeah, Mark Lorette, Mark Lorraine, Mark uh, Ursa- Mark Loretta, I think Mark Lorraine. Um, a couple guys that I'd played against, even dating back to college, Cody Decker. Uh, Nate Fryman played first base. That was like our hero. in that team that I was playing against in A that whole year, Josh Satin, who play, Valley guy, played at Cal. So it was cool to play with those guys. But um, Jack Martyr, who's coaching Oregon, was my roommate. Josh had a kid that was pitching with us with the Astros mm-hmm. on the team, uh, we went to Jupiter for eleven days. Uh, I remember getting paid like fifteen hundred bucks, which was what more than what I got paid for a <laughs> couple months in the minor leagues. Uh, we worked out in Jupiter for a couple days, uh, and we played three games. Right. We played South Africa and Spain. South Africa and Spain, and uh, you know we were two and zero, and Spain beat us in that championship game. Spain had some guys from Cuba and the Dominican that I had played against the minor leagues. Um, I started that game.
0: Do you remember your numbers? I I, ha- I, I didn't, didn't do anything. I happened to have. Happen. Yeah, I didn't
1: do anything. Um, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't play very well out. There. I mean, I, I only played one game. I didn't play very well out there. Um, Why do you think that was? Uh, I, mean, I think baseball, I mean, you just, just baseball. we, we were out yeah. there for 11 days and we played three games. And I think, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think I had six at-bats. I mean, I think, um, so it was just, yeah, it was, we got beat and that was it. And then the good team Israel team was the next year that had the big run. Right. That, 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 that looked like the fun team to be on. I think once... They one, didn't call you to one, be on the fun once, team? Once I quit, once I quit <laughs> and got out of it, um, I think that helped contribute to them having a really good run.
0: I, the reason I talk about it, because I covered a qualifier in 2016 at Mexicali, at Nicaragua, Germany, uh, Mexico, and Czech Republic. And it was like that loosey-goosey, too, right? Like, oh, I'm from South Carolina, but I'm on Team Germany. But it was so great to see these guys just come together and play, and it was Mexicali's stadium was bonkers. I've never seen anything like that before. Probably never will. I probably had to see a priest afterwards. It was just <laughs> nuts. But it was cool to see guys, like, live out a dream. Like, I'm Playing for the Czech Republic. I've never been there, but they got a qualification.
1: Yeah, I think ours probably would have been cooler if it wasn't, like, in Jupiter, Florida. Right. Uh, but, you but could have gone there. Yeah, but it was cool where, you know, we had two uh, native Israelis on our team, a lone Leishman, uh, and a guy named Shlomo Lippitz. And he got from Israel, and they brought out... He has
0: to play with that name, Shlomo. Yeah, and
1: they brought out, like, the... Uh, maybe a youth national team. And we like worked out with them for a couple of days. And you see some of these kids that, you know, over there, they all serve and they're 19 right. years old, 18 years old. And you're just thinking how soft you are personally, you know, what they're going through and you're kind of seeing them play. And so that, that right. was like the cool part. Yeah. Um, he could be telling
0: about the bombed out pizza parlor. He was at the night before. Yeah. Which like, is
1: happening to those kids right. and they're like playing and it's like, Jeez, I am so soft. And you're
0: like, Oh, I might have to play in Billings, Montana. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I think like, you know, had it not been at Jupiter and got to experience some of that stuff. you. My, my a good friend of mine was on that Czech Republic team. He's the head coach at Wright State right now. Alec, really? Alex Sogard. Okay. left handed hitters, Left-hand yeah. pitcher. His brother was Eric Sogard. Yeah. Played in the big league. Yeah. He was on that Czech Republic team.
0: Okay, so what did you think I was going to say then that I found interesting? That you're uh, I, like, oh, what's my top five? That's my bottom 20.
1: I was just waiting to get embarrassed <laughs> with something. <laughs> no. No, no. no I, I, I just had, but it was, I, we were on ESPNU mm-hmm. one of these last times. And it a lot of those announcers that I know, we announcer that I didn't know, and he's like, you know, I found something really interesting about you. And I'm like, where are you? Like, you know, <laughs> I don't think a lot of it's very interesting, you know? And he brought up that same thing. And so that that's why I, I left. Yeah. It's and I, cool. don't, I don't know where you were going to go. And I was no, no, no. It's just cool
0: because um, I think to, whether it's how far you're removed or whatever, it's just to be able to represent a country that is obviously looking just to get their team together.
1: Yeah. No, it, it was a great experience. And to get the Because, players, you know, the like Cuba class.
0: or who's won it was one of the last couple of years? Uh, Dominican. Like, oh, they're yeah. loaded. Yeah. Right, they don't have to call up Poppy and say, "Oh, can you, can you please come play?" He's on. Yeah, but you're a lot of other teams, and you're like, "Oh, we got to scrap some guys together."
1: Yeah, it, it who's a was...
0: third Canadian we can put together?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. And I, some of the guys that I've played with and I'm friends with are, I mean, a good friend of mine. Uh, I played with him. I haven't talked about Jimmy Van Ostring Got a big hit for Canada in a win against the United States. You right. know, and so it's like I didn't have. I wasn't a part of any of those types of, you know, moments in international play. But right. it was cool. And, you know, my dad played for Team Israel. And so I think it probably, you know, it certainly meant something to him. And it, it was it was cool and to get a chance to do that and made fifty. Well, you can hang too. that
0: one over your brother. Yeah,
1: yeah. He, he's doing good enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what was the bad taste left in your mouth with minor league ball?
1: You know, I don't have a bad taste. Um, you know, my career ended, you know, my whole career uh you know, I was always – when I was with the Astros, the big league team was not – that's when they were losing 100 games. The minor leagues were really good. The players were really good. Uh, and so every year I'd pretty much start off as the fourth infielder and finish the year as an everyday guy when other guys got moved up or down. Um, in 2012, I got called up to AA when Jonathan VR broke his hand. Um, and, th- and I got called up there to go play short every single day. And that was the first time where it's like I was supposed to be an everyday player. Um – you know, I signed for twenty five thousand dollars, so I was a bonus baby, right? Uh, but I got called up there in twelve to be an everyday player the second half of the season in Double A. You know, in Double A, kind of just how the funnel used to be. Like it's hard to get to Double A. Right. Uh, I played for a manager that was kind of like a college manager who, like, he really liked me, uh, and I played short every day. I was like offensive player of the month, one month, defensive player of the month, one month. We went to the postseason. Felt
0: things were clicking. Yeah, and,
1: and then I went back to spring training the next year, and I felt like for the first time that maybe I'm not an afterthought. Maybe I got a chance to, like, do something. Like, I've kind of proved it now at A, And uh, and I remember at spring training was the first year we did uh, – that year we do meetings. Um, and I remember sitting around – There's about five or six people in the room, and, uh, you know, they kind of say, you lack this, you lack that – you know, you're probably going to start at double-A as a backup. And I said, okay. And they said, do you have anything to tell us? And I said, no. And they kind of said, smart as you are, you don't have anything to tell us? I said, no, I'm a a player. I just play. Um, And one of the guys who was saying the most negative things kind of reached to shake my hand, and I I was good. I didn't shake his hand. Um, And left, had spring training, and went to Corpus Christi again and was a backup. Uh, And then... My manager, who had played for the year before, he really liked me, uh, so he played me every day, and I played first, second, short, third, and DH, so the other guys could still play. And he led me off, and I played every day, and it was awesome. And I was kind of getting that year before, I kind of figured something out and was getting better.
0: What were you figuring out?
1: Uh, I, I was getting better offensively. I, I was. Okay. I was. I was. I was, I was speed I was, of the game too. Yeah. No speed of the game. I was fine. Just um, offensive. Yeah, offensively, I was getting better. Uh, I had started hitting with. Craig. Was it the
0: wood bat? No, I'd
1: started with Craig Wallenbrock um, my, after my first year in pro ball and kind of learning my swing and getting better, and I was getting better. Uh, and so that year, my last year in 13, I was playing every day, a different position every day, so it was fun. We had a good George Springer, Kike Hernandez. Right. I mean, we, we had really good players. Uh, and a manager that liked me, I was playing every day, and I was hitting like, I was hitting over three hundred for a while. I remember I'd reach base safely in twenty something straight games, uh, and I got called into his office one day after an off day, and I wasn't playing, and I'd been playing every day. and He called me into his office and he said, "I, I can't play you um, anymore." The front office told me, um, "I got to play the you know I got to play the prospect guys. I can't play you every day anymore." And I said, "Okay, like I you know I understand." And he was cool, and he said, "You know it's not." I got a family, I got a job, I got to do what they tell me to do. I, I, but I, because I respect you, I want to tell you why you're not playing. It's not because of me. So that was disappointing. Um, and so kind of during that time, I wanted to get released, wanted to get traded, to go somewhere else where I could play. Uh, during that time, Coach Gillespie was going through a coaching change, and uh, he told me, would you have any interest? And I said, yeah. I said, I'll, I'll quit if you offer me a job. And he was kind of like talking me down on that. And I was like, no, like there's – it's hard to go to the field every day and play when your performance doesn't matter. Um, and so the last game I ever played, I, I was not supposed to, I was not in the lineup. Uh, our shorts had to go home for a funeral and it was legitimately, his name was scratched off the lineup and mine was written in the lineup. Uh, I got four hits and then didn't play, didn't play, didn't play, didn't play, didn't play four straight days. During those four days, Coach Gillespie called me and offered me the job and I went into my manager's office and quit. Started coaching college baseball.
0: Was there an idea in your head, like, what was your out? Like, I want to play baseball for X amount of years, or when did high, or when did coaching slip into your kind of, like...
1: I, I knew I wanted to be a college coach as soon as I started playing for Coach Toronto and his staff my freshman year. I knew I wanted to coach in college. Um, kind of what they showed me, what they taught me, how fun it was for me as a Just player. Just pulling
0: back that curtain kind of, yeah, like, yeah. enlightened you to, like, yeah, oh, my like, God, you can... Criminal justice, go to hell! Yeah, I'm uh, a baseball player. Yeah,
1: and so so I knew I always wanted to coach in college, um, and to get the opportunity at where I went to school in a paid position, not a volunteer position. Right. I mean, that was that's a big difference too, yeah, right? Huge. And and I think you know at that point in my career, I don't really like calling it a career. At that point in my time playing, nah, no, it leagues, was a
0: career. Um, <laughs> come on.
1: You know, I had I stuck around. Um, it would have been all about my ego and the, the, the guy that wanted to prove people wrong. I made it to the big leagues and I would have woke up one day and I would have been 33 years old in triple a with eight major league at bats and would be happy to be able to tell everybody you were wrong. Um, you know, and so, so it was, it was beyond lucky to get that chance to come work for coach Gillespie.
0: Yeah, I mean there there are a lot of those guys that will sit there and say I got my cup of coffee.
1: Yeah, and I you mean know, Mike Hessman, uh he was with the Astros my last year and so I got to know Mike really well at spring training. Uh, you know, and for your people that listen, you know, he's the real life Crash Davis. He's the minor mm-hmm. league home run record holder and he was thirty five or thirty six years old that year in the minor leagues and um I was like, Man, I can't do this and um especially with the opportunity that I had, I mean it was hard to have my baseball career be done but like I, I knew what i always wanted to do when i was done playing and if i would have played 15 years in the big leagues and made 150 million i would have wanted to come back and be a college coach so it was it was really good for me
0: i mean 41 games into your season that year you pulled a plug on it i mean that's that's big you didn't even want to finish it out you're like i'm done with you guys see ya i'm going it, to was, it, it
1: wasn't done with you guys it was just you know the
0: but there was there was something to come to.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know the the situation there was what it was, and they were right. going to play the prospect guys, and that's you know it's perfectly understandable. It's business, and you know that, not that I needed it, but you know any anybody with anything could say, yeah, those Astros, they, it did okay. Yeah, <laughs> Cor- Correa over Orla, that was a good decision. You know, Altuve, that guy, that was a good decision. Bregman, that was a good decision. Um, oh,
0: you don't know? <laughs> no, I
1: know it was a great decision, uh, and so so you know it. it, it it was uh you know it was just what's next, and and uh the timing of it couldn't have been better for me.
0: had somebody else called, would you have gone for coaching, or was just because Mike and it's Irvine, did that feel comfortable for you to go? But if Eastern Carolina calls up,
1: I don't know I mean at that point, I was kind of desperate i mean I, I didn't know how much longer I could keep doing what I was doing, um, and especially having success I mean it was going to impact my performance um so I yeah I probably would have been open to listen to anything and but uh again kind of as luck would have it for me it was coach Gillespie was UC Irvine it was I was <laughs> I said I'll quit tomorrow he's like I don't need you you can finish out the season I said I'll be there tomorrow
0: Did you take the coaching? Did you go did it feel natural coaching? Uh yeah I, I mean you're young at this point.
1: Yeah, I was yeah, it was 26, 27. Um Yeah, I mean coach Gillespie, I mean, he's when you're working for him, you don't have to do a whole lot. I mean, he, he's so he's smart very hands on, right? And does yeah, he does so much, and he's so smart. I mean, you don't you just have to. Um, the coaching part wasn't. I mean, it's it's.
0: Had it been more difficult if it was Serrano and he's kind of like letting his coaches coach. Would that have been a little more difficult? Yeah, and it's not
1: to say Coach Gillespie didn't let his coaches coach, but I think just the byproduct of yeah, Coach strong was a pitching right, coach, right? That, Different, yeah. The, the responsibility on the field would have been so much more right away, right? Um, you know, where the the biggest adjustment for me was just learning the industry and the recruiting and stuff off the field. Yeah, the like bs transcripts and but even like recruiting kids and the timelines on how to offer them. You know, I remember one of the first kids I ever saw uh, was Stephen Kwan, uh, who's in the big leagues now with somebody mm-hmm. and. Uh, I didn't know the process, like, okay, I see him and like him, like, then what? Like, you got to call him, you text him, like, does Coach Gillespie need to talk to him, do you need to go and visit? Like, I didn't, you know, just that whole, I didn't know how so that you had worked. to learn
0: that process.
1: Yeah, and and so that was probably the bigger adjustment. And social
0: media is starting to happen, too.
1: Yeah, I'm still, I, I'm not very good on that. Um, no, but it's, it's happening, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twitter's yes, happening, yes, yes, Instagram's yes, yes. happening,
0: so... Where young Ben didn't have an avenue to get his name out, all of a sudden these kids are like highlight videos and graphics of me hitting ball. All of a sudden that's happening.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so the off-the-field type stuff was the bigger adjustment than the on-the-field stuff, especially working for Coach Gillespie because he, I mean, he could cover up anything that, that you, know, you couldn't do. And thinking about it now with the position I have, like the, um, I would never do what he did. I mean, I would never, I mean, he, cause you know, Danny was his pitching coach then too. And Danny had no coaching experience before coach Gillespie hired him the year before to be his pitching coach, call the game, coach the pitchers. Um, and then he hires me the next year. That's got no coaching experience. And
0: why do you think he did that with both Danny and you? <laughs>
1: um,
0: what did you think he saw? Especially, especially no, was, I think
1: he, I think he was, he, I mean, he, he just, he, he's so good at what he does. I mean, he doesn't need a lot of help. Um, I mean, he's so good at what he does in the game, coaching the game. I mean, he didn't need a lot of help. Uh, I think he was at the point in his career too. He wanted to be around people that he liked and probably wanted to, you know, you, help, help us out. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I think he kind of, kind of, you know, he changed, changed our lives by hiring us. And that's the, the confidence and the, I mean, I, I as I sit here, I, I, how you, how you do that and think that it's going to work um, is
0: crazy. <laughs> right. I mean, especially he was no spring chicken. Right? He's got to be close to 70 at this point. Yeah, but he had a lot of juice left. Right. But, but, but still, decide okay, I'm going to bring in these 20 year olds with zero experience yeah, and yeah. let them run the pitching. Oh, now I got this guy who's coming from the minor leagues. Yeah.
1: I was going to recruit the player. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's. He, he had a
0: lot of trust.
1: Yeah. And he's the only one that could have pulled. He had trust and he had confidence in himself of like, he's not his first rodeo. I mean, he could. I could do this, yeah. But
0: times were changing. Like in the '90s, when he's at SC and things are rolling, the the whole landscape's totally different. Now it's the tens, social media importance, dominance in this conference is changing. Things are swaying. Was he able to stay abreast of that and then handle two young coaches at the same time?
1: Yeah, I mean I don't I mean Skip wasn't on Twitter but um, <laughs> I don't think he was getting But either. no, he I mean his he was he, he was forever so far ahead of his time in terms of coaching and motivating and knowing what wins games. Um that you know we were just doing this, the other stuff, you know, I, I, he wasn't I was the one getting kids transcripts. Like he wasn't getting kids right. transcripts like
0: Was he coaching you too? Um and giving you like okay, Ben, here's a good thing to kind of learn or did he just not,
1: the- not formally like that I mean I learned by watching them um you know I remember <laughs> one of the only sit down type things like that is uh I coached third base and I never I mean me and Danny coached travel ball together uh one of the Teddy Silva's little eaters teams and so it was a great <laughs> intro when we were playing pro ball mm-hmm. and that's how he coached and I coached third and called signs and he called pitches and uh 14U baseball in Arizona. And that was our, that was our coaching. Uh, but I remember one time Coach Gillespie sat me down and he's like, he's like, let's talk about third base coaching. And he drew the, you know, the field and the third base coaching box. And he said, you can't be this way or this way of the line. You can be as far this way or this way as you want. And then that was it. <laughs> that was it. You know, um, and stuff came up where there were like teaching moments, but it was like, um, you know, getting to work for him for five years was a, I mean, you know, that, that was a master's class. And how do you, what's really great coach look like on a day-to-day basis. And just watching him, um, was how like a lot of learning took place. I mean, he wasn't, you know, and I think, I think he had two, I mean, you knew him. I think he was too, he was so humble for what he was. I, I think he'd be, Oh yeah. I think he'd be, it, it's not in his personality to say like, you know, nothing. Come here. Let me teach you something where it's mm-hmm. like. That's exactly what he, you know, he certainly could have done. Sure, but I don't think that's in his nature to be like, "Let me teach you something." I, you know, I don't think that's who, that's not his personality to think that he's, you know, even though it's that's exactly who, you know, he's the legend in the history of the sport.
0: Did you appreciate him more during those five years under him, coaching, than you did when you were playing? For sure, for sure.
1: And, and I think that I mean, it's it's sad that because I think even as time's gone on now that he's passed a year and a half ago now. Um, unfortunately I continue to appreciate it more and more um, seeing what goes on like as a coach you know when you're an assistant coach you see the behind the scenes stuff more and you're like man this guy's like this guy is real um, and you learn a lot by watching him mm-hmm. and the stuff that you thought was dumb as a player you're like oh no like actually you were dumb 20 year old um, <laughs> yeah it, it's it, interesting <clears throat> you just don't know yeah you see that and so you know it is we, we've really had a a great relationship. Um, And it's kind of like changed throughout the years where, you know, he was the coach and um, you know, he cared about us a lot as a player. And then he, you know, he really, every opportunity that I have in my life currently um, is because of him. And you know, the house that I live in, the job that I have, like it's all because of him. Um, And so to get to work for five years, like is the best way to get prepared to be a head coach. You know, there's no Mm -hmm. class for that. Um, there's probably nobody better in the country to work for to teach you that um but you know he's the boss, and there were times that you know he um because of how successful he was and how long he had done it you know he he was old school and I think we all need a little more old school he, he wasn't big on like some collaboration stuff, you know at times it was this is what we're doing, and you know or don't we all agree that right you know, and um even as an assistant coach, you're like, ah, come on, I think I think my input matters. Um and it doesn't. Uh was
0: that difficult for at either t- at you time, or Dan? At times you're- as an
1: assistant, you mean you think you're smarter than you are, just like when you're a player and you right. think you're smarter than you are. But I think you're I was smart enough to know He's smarter. That uh, yeah, I'm not as smart <laughs> as I think I am, but I think I could have some valuable input on this or that. And it's not to say he never listened to us. Of sure. course he did. But like you know, I think... Um, he was
0: probably smart enough to know when to take your input. Yeah, oh, yeah.
1: He, he, and, he loved the intellectual side of baseball and his... And I don't think people realize that. Oh, oh, it, it's, it's a joke. I mean, there's nobody... There's nobody... He I'm,
0: learned under unbelievable people to be that smart. He yeah, was super I've,
1: smart. I've never been around anybody that knows the game as good as him. and that, Not even... Uh, I, I couldn't tell you who was second. Um, and I really value trying to surround myself with people like that because I love that part of it. And I've never met somebody... Um,
0: who's number two. Uh, you know where I always got that unbelievable knowledge from the coaches was the ones that took it seriously when they're at the College World Series and they do the, the conversation with the media, right? You saw that in 14. I saw him in 2001, and he put on a 15-minute clinic of explaining, like, the most simplest thing that all the media members had no understanding.
1: Yeah, and that that's what, you know, even in his last year as the head coach, um, you know, he's got, like, The rule book, and it's like it would always, the rule book would always be open on his desk. And it'd be, you'd like peek in, you know, his office where we're sitting now. And, you know, it's a Wednesday in October, and he's got like the rule book on his desk. And you're like, umpires don't know the rule book half as good as he knows the rule book, you know, and it's like, and he's 76 years old, and he's done it for 50 years. And it's like, you know, or just the, and his just, how long he'd been in a dugout and seen the situation and seen it so many times. And it's like, you you can't simulate that type of experience and um, how serious he took like that learning and like was able to apply it. I mean, it's, it's, and how sharp he was, even at the end. I mean, it, it's, it's really unbelievable.
0: How was that learning curve at third? Because there's so much that happens for that, that assistant coach at third that there's sometimes head coaches. Coach third base Wayne did it when he was at Rice. Mm -hmm. George did it a couple of years. Was that a major learning curve for you to be like, wow, I'm getting guys in the position here. It's important.
1: Yeah. Not, I mean, not to minimize, but like, I think coaching travel ball, like helped me kind of learn to coach a little bit. Um, Gino Ariema, uh, women's basketball coach at UConn, obviously uh, he, he talked about, uh, one of the things that he thinks makes him such a good coach that He says, I coached high school basketball. He's like, I coached really bad players. He's like, so I had to make them better. And so I think coaching like 14 and 15-year-olds really helped me coach. And Even third base, I coached third base. That helped. Um, One of the things that's – I've always – the speed of the game never bothered me. Um, I mean, that was one of my strengths as a player is the speed of the game never really bothered me. Um, I don't – get emotional um I'm able to think th- th- I mean those are things that help a third base coach and I you know it really mattered to me because if I had to ma- if I made a bad decision I had to come back and stand next to coach Gillespie mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um and so I learned and I talked to I talked to some really good third base coaches and um it's fun I mean it's really fun coaching third and you know I knew coach Gillespie so well that you know I could help the guys and be hey this is you know because you know he was unconventional and did whatever he wanted to do whenever he wanted to do it right so to be able like prep some of the guys to know what he wants to do and what he's thinking and hey just because it's two strikes like squeeze is still coming like when he puts on squeeze don't miss like it's coming squeeze is coming you know stuff like that to prepare them because um, I knew him so well and I knew what he wanted um, and so a lot of that stuff didn't have to be spoken because I knew him so well.
0: Right? How did you? When do I guess? When did you start to feel like okay, I got my coaching chops. I got. I'm feeling good. Was it year two? Was I'll let year you know three? when I get there. When I get there, I'll tell you. <laughs> I mean, as an assistant. Well, we won't get you at the head. But as an assistant where you're like, okay, I get the team. I get Mike. I could do this. Because there's a learning curve. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not um,
1: I'm not very good at um, reflecting or seeing that. I was always just trying to like trying to get the next player, trying to like have a good practice. And I don't mean that as like a cliche. I truly mean it, like, I don't know when we like had it under control. Like it was, you know, after a couple of years, I knew the admissions process here. Okay. I knew what test scores were good. You know, <laughs> yeah, I knew right. kind of when you see these people at games, that the you know, process might get sped up on this kid. So I kind of learned some of that stuff. Um, but I don't think I ever had it like, okay, like I got it. So you- I, yeah, I, I never had that.
0: When Mike's, decision to step down was your forethought on you like was that immediate for you like i I, oh god i would i would love to have this i mean again this um
1: the opportunities that he's created for me that i didn't deserve um that was another one of those i mean even early on in the process like of leaving pro ball he talked about me wanting to be the wanting me to be the head coach here one day and it's like that's stupid you (laughs) know like um and so, the, he, I mean, he had those conversations with me before I left the Astros. Right. And, but again, it's like you just, you don't, the way I'm wired, and it's good in some areas and bad in some areas, is you're just trying to, like, huh, not mess up today. And you're just, you're just trying to do a good job for, you know, and, and for the team, but also for him. Like, you don't want to let him down. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I, I guess I kind of always thought that, like, I'd be the head coach here when he left, not because of, anything besides Coach Gillespie wants that. And, like, can you tell Coach Gillespie no? Um, but I never worried about that. I mean, I was, like, I was really happy being an assistant coach. Like, I was really happy working with the people that I work with and working for him every day. Like, I never wanted to, like, I was never in a rush to speed that process up. I just wanted to, like, try to do a good job. And
0: was baseball fun again for you? Yeah, it was. I don't think it was. It was never. Even in
1: the minor leagues, what, 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock the game was always fun. Just the other stuff became, like, not fun because just you didn't see – it didn't see, like, that it could matter. So it, it was always mm-hmm. fun. Um, and being back in college baseball is fun. And college baseball is just so pure. You know, it's how my career ended by, you know, the front office telling somebody – it ended sooner than it would have. Um, it would have ended. Uh, college baseball, it's about team. It's about winning. These kids are 18. They're 19. They're 20. Um, and so that was really fun. And being back on a college campus, again, I mean, like I, I like being on a team and even, like – Um, we were talking off air a little bit, you know, the basketball coach now is my neighbor and like going to watch the basketball game, go watch, like I I enjoyed, I really enjoyed being on a college campus and around like this age group and so that was like, that was really fun.
0: Right, it helps. Yeah, really fun. So when that position's offered to you, what goes through your head?
1: I mean, it was weird. It was, it was, um, they announced it uh, like in February. I mean, we were getting, like it was like, a week before opening day or something. And so it was just like, there was the thought was uh, I can't remember who we were playing that opening week, getting ready to play an opening weekend. Like there was no, um, it wasn't like how it is with most places where you get hired July one, mm-hmm. you know, what's happening with that. You know, right. it's, it's, it, you kind of knew that was going to happen, but it was like February 10th. And it was like, you got to, you have to practice. And then <laughs> you watch a video on the team you're playing and you try to play the team that we're playing. And, um, so there was no like, um, oh crap or, okay, well now I gotta do this. just you gotta move like, the family and pack yeah, up, just, and here we go. Yeah, we were just getting ready to play, and then I think just the um, we had a good team, and known as like, Coach Gillespie's last year, and we knew, I think we knew, um, that it was gonna be his last year before the announcement. You know, he had kind of told us, and, you know, he didn't want, he didn't want the attention. He he wanted, you know, probably in a perfect world for him was, uh, you know, coach the last game of the season, and then leave. He didn't want right. a going away party and he get recognized at home plate at a bunch. Of he didn't want that stuff. Um, it was cool when everybody did it cause it met, it met well. And it, and he did, he did really appreciate it. Um, but that's not why he, he didn't want to, he didn't retire in February to get a farewell tour. Like, sure. um, and so we just really wanted to like try to have a good year for him. And we had a good year and not good enough. And, um, you know, I've never been, even to this day, I want to make sure I'm not lying. Um, <laughs> I think, I think I've been nervous one time in my life coaching. Um, and it was Coach Gillespie's last game at UC Davis. I just remember thinking, like, we cannot lose Coach Gillespie's last game. And, the, I, and as the game goes on, it's tight. And I remember thinking, if I make a bad decision at third base that costs us Coach Gillespie's last game, like, how do you— live with that forever. And so like that that was the only time I ever remember being nervous as a coach um uh, because I think our impact is like so limited on uh, some of the games that I've played in as a player like I've had much higher stakes when I was playing than Were you going to
0: send everybody at that point? No, like everybody to
1: make sure it was right. Um and we had, and we, lo- we lose coach Gillespie's last game at UC Davis and um but, yeah, that was the only time at I At
0: Davis, of all places. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. having
1: to get on the bus and go sit at the Sacramento Airport like, after losing the last game of his career and, like, watching him walk off the field, and that felt like, you know, we all, you know, let him down, and that's not how, like, that's not how it should end for him. Um, and that, that's what happened.
0: Right. What was your biggest challenge taking over? Um, A
1: lot of things. I think, you know, get, getting the staff in place um, was a big challenge. Yeah. Um, and then I think just, uh, um, it, again, the immediate, it, my life didn't change much right away. It was summer. It was time to recruit players and go. I mean, it's what I always did in the summer. Um, so I think it was, it was getting the staff together, and then it was you go recruit. And I remember I I, was dr- I drove to Fresno to watch a tournament. I called every player on our roster, and that was exhausting. Um, <laughs> what did you tell them? I just I told them that the staff was done and talked to each guy for three minutes. Um, and I don't like talking on the phone or doing that type of stuff. Uh, so I remember that, and then and then when the season started, just kind of um, just trying to do it how you you know I had a plan for what you wanted your team to look like, and and uh, just starting to instill that every day. And I think the, the biggest adjustment. I mean, that, it wasn't that. I mean, I wish I could say it was like, it wasn't that big of an adjustment. You know, it's was just, I had to be, I was the voice more of stuff that I always thought I was a genius assistant and should say, you know, now you got to do it. And, um, <laughs>
0: now sudden you're, how brilliant are you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You watched enough this year to know the right answer to that. Um, so, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a massive change for me. Um, I felt like I'd learned a lot and, um, but just having to be the voice and, and, and really what, what What became the most challenging thing and still is, is just uh, managing people. I mean, as an assistant coach, your life's so easy. I mean, I don't know if our assistants think that. I didn't think that as an assistant. I thought my life was hard. Assistant coach life so easy. I mean, it's like. You see that now. Yeah. Coach. And and that's what frustrates me a little bit. um, Because I could have been a better assistant for, I could have been, knowing what I know now, I could have been a lot better assistant for Coach Gillespie. What um, could you
0: have done differently
1: now? Now that you're wearing this, I, I couldn't tell you like an exact thing. I could have done this instead of that, but just like the the understanding of what goes into the job, when you have those moments of you think that you're smart as an assistant coach, you realize not, not knowing. Like I know like this small little sliver of this picture, and the guy that's way smarter than you sees the whole picture, um, and so just how much. If I, you know, how much you could have realized that. Um, and as an assistant coach, you just you, I coached like a couple infielders and stood at third base with a helmet and recruited like it was really easy, you know. Um, and now it's like just the managing of the players, the staff, the support staff, um, dealing with the administration, like, and just every day I feel like as a head coach, there's something that, you know, I feel like everybody kind of looks to you for the answer or the decision, um, and that like sheer decision making. Um, about everything is like, you can't prepare for that. And that, that's probably like the biggest change and, and probably the biggest challenge is that every decision comes to you on things little and small. Like you got to make decisions on and something comes up every day that you're not prepared for that you got to like make a decision on. And that, that, that's, that you can't, you can't simulate that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting how much gets brought to the head coach when you think like, really, can't somebody else deal with that? But it's always, go- always what does Skip say? We'll go to the coach. What does he say? And you've got to wear that now.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. And that, that's that's probably, like, you know, in all honesty, the biggest adjustment. Um,
0: do you think you could have been maybe a bit, a bit more of a buffer and, like, oh, let me take a couple things off of
1: Mike's plate so he doesn't have a deal with it? That, that was probably the thing I did best for him. And I could have done it better. But, like, I, especially the later it got in his career, like.
0: I'll handle this crap. Yeah, and,
1: I, and it really helped get me ready for this, was, like, doing a lot of that stuff because I wanted to do a good job for him and I wanted him to, like, be able to coach baseball. And I, so it was, it was good because I got to, like, you know, take some of the bullets you know for some of the stuff that maybe might get to head coach like, I took pride in right. being able to like solve problems before he knew that there were problems like right. I never wanted to go to him with a problem I wanted to like be able to put out the fires and do the stuff and let him like coach baseball and and
0: uh that is a good assistant coach
1: yeah yeah no for sure and and uh and it really helped me learn for this job because I was doing some of the things on a smaller level than like what I have to do right now but it was really just about like Wanted to do right by him and let him like coach baseball and not go to him with my problems. Like, you know, so that was good.
0: When you're now the head coach, there's a whole difference between 18 year old Ben and now at your age, dealing with that 18 year old. So many things have changed that if I would have told you then you would have been like, what the hell are you talking about? The portal, mm-hmm. the NIL, social media, like, how much is this going to change baseball moving forward? And I know it's a big challenge for you. It's a big challenge for every coach, not baseball. Every coach. How much of that is going to like disrupt the way we perceive baseball and sports in general?
1: Yeah, I think I think the jury's out. I think everybody's kind of looking for looking to read the tea leaves right now on what exactly it's going to look like because this thing's still so new. Um, but but yeah, it, I mean this. I mean, college baseball as we know it kind of has an opportunity, you know, might look completely different three, five years ago than it does right now. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's starting to mirror, you know, closer to professional athletics than college sports yeah. right now with the transfer portal, um, with NIL money, with, you know, just the recruiting and the, <clears throat> you know, the, the agents and advisors and these third parties that you got to be in with to, to recruit the player on the front end right and now recruit them on the back end and even your current players recruit recruit your current players um the draft moving from you know early june to middle of july the minor leagues
0: do you like that the draft moving
1: no i hate it i I think it's i don't i don't there's people smarter than me that could maybe explain the positives but i think it's it's certainly harder for us to manage our rosters um you know
0: uh, I did think it was a distraction. I remember sitting around. This is your era, yeah. right? 2009, Christian Cologne, Gary mm-hmm. Brown. We're in a super regional getting ready, and they're like, oh, I got drafted in the first round. Oh, I got drafted in the second round. It's like, we got a game in an hour. Mm-hmm. And they're getting calls, uh, that stuff.
1: Yeah, I got drafted in study table at LSU. Right. But yeah, I, th- I think that that standpoint's better. Did but you right.
0: study well after that, that phone call?
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: Ninth round, are you kidding me? I, I
1: think the, uh no, that was the 19th round. was <laughs> oh, um, sorry. <laughs> I, I th- but I think, you know, the solution to that, and I agree it's a distraction, mm-hmm. I mean, is have it on Wednesday and Thursday. Okay. You know, have it on yeah. Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, for right now, you know, with drafts July 17th through the 19th this year, I mean, you're not going to know about some of these guys until, you know, July 17th, and it's scholarship renewals got to get sent out by July one. And, you know, how late can you get guys into school and that finally, and we're lucky we're the quarter system. So we got one more month on the back end, but all that stuff makes it like so much harder. And even for these kids, like, you know, these guys get drafted and sign and they're supposed to go play in short season. They played their last game, March 25th, and now they got to go play on. August 1st, like, it's, that transition doesn't seem as good. Is that,
0: is that Major League Baseball not, not talking to college baseball?
1: I, I don't know. Or is that an FU? I'm not sure. I don't think it's an FU, but I don't think it's, I I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not, (laughs) I don't sit in any of those conversations. Um, (laughs) Oh, damn it, let's get you on that committee. But I I think it's, it's tough for the scouts because, you know, they're, they're finishing up like this year, watching the, you know, the 2022s, but like this summer, they're watching the 2023s, but they still got to do follow-up on the 2022s and know where they're at and right. signability. And so it, it's tough for a lot of people right now. And so, you know, the, the answer to your question is it's, it's really tough right now to kind of see where college baseball is going and kind of like, <laughs> like to be on the front end of what's going to happen and not on the back end. And it, it, it's, it's tough right now.
0: What about that damn transfer portal? That's something that's bonkers. I mean, can you imagine that as a player when you, when you were playing? How many guys here – could have come and gone, or you could have brought and taken. Like, are you guys not? Are you guys maybe never number one? Because all of a sudden, an LSU, an Arizona, Stanford comes in and goes pick, 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 pick. I mean, that that such a scary thing to happen now.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's a concern for sure. Um,
0: we don't want college baseball to come to minor leagues where the Power Five are picking off players.
1: No, I I don't you know I don't I don't think the transfer portal is all bad. Um, you know, I think and we've got players on our roster and have always had that the first school they went to didn't work out great. And the second right. one did. And so I don't think we can sit here and say it's all bad. Now, I think, you know, what, what you describe, um, certainly if there's tampering and recruiting people under people's rosters or, you know, people scared of sending their guys out to summer ball because they might get recruited to go play somewhere else. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's I don't think the the positives of the transfer portal. Uh I, th- I think in terms of like, you know, for, for kids now, yeah, they have the opportunity to play at school X this year and school Y next year if they want, if they view the other one better that now that they can leave. Uh, I think it's, you know, I think it's just constantly recruiting your players now. And I think that you want, same thing when you're recruiting them at a high school or junior college or transfer portal. Now you want them to come to your school because this is what it is. And what your school's about is what they care about. Right. right. And, and you hope that's why they come here. You hope that's why they stay here, and that won't be everybody, and some of them will leave, and, you know, unfortunately it could be better for them, you yeah. know, or it could be worse. And um, I'm
0: scared to death I don't see a Big West team in the College World Series again because of the portal. I think our
1: conference – I think the transfer portal is an issue for our conference for sure. Uh, for sure. Um, I think there's other things that, that, that are – I'm scared of more in the Big West than the transfer portal. But the transfer... I, the Tell transfer, me, what,
0: what's that monster well, you're scared I, of? I just
1: think what's happened to our conference, just in terms of it virtually becoming a one-bid league or maybe a two-bid league, yeah. um, that's what scares me the most. And, and now transfer portal can certainly play into that if good players leave. Right. Um, so that can certainly play into it. But um, this conference, the kind of after what this conference has done, the lack of, I don't know, if respect or how, how the, the RPI formula helps our conference impacts our conference um, our conference not getting in good years you know this conference should get multiple teams in the postseason and um, I think you know the history of this conference has shown and I think it still will be proven that uh you know the good teams in this conference uh they can go win a regional
0: right I and, mean you remember this you were a kid probably watching it on TV when this conference had two national champ or na- two Number one seeds coming at it with with Long Beach and Fullerton both hosting in 0-3, mm. I mean o four like those are unbelievable and to get that now it doesn't happen we're lucky if we get two teams not two hosting teams
1: yeah and, and part of that is you know part of that is self inflicted wounds by the teams in our conference that could do better or schedule better or win more scheduling
0: or, better is huge yeah and and, and it's <laughs> that's a twofold question because scheduling better. Um, I know that was a battle for Dave when he was at Fullerton. He always wanted to like bring LSU in, but they'd be like, "Nah, we don't want to." Or trying to get a team in, and they'd be like, "Ah, no, we do, not our thing. Maybe we'll come to your place once. You got to come to our place twice."
1: Yeah, it's the scheduling better thing is interesting, just in terms of how we would define better. You know, because the way the schedule work in baseball is, you know, we're scheduling, we're stupid, right? We're scheduling. Three, four, five years out, right? And, and so, how do you know that Texas is going to be good in four years when you play them, right? You know, or that they're going to stay healthy and not get a bunch of injuries and have an off year because guys get hurt. And so that you know, so I think the scheduling thing—it's you know—it's uh, scheduling better in terms of playing really good teams and going on the road, like the Fullertons and the Long Beaches, kind of like what we've done recently, mm-hmm. what Cal Poly's done a little bit. Um, Does so there's, name brand teams help? Well, well so, so 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 there's okay, so there's a scheduling better of term good teams, power five teams, ranked teams. Um, but then there's this RPI thing, and the RPI is not necessarily better. You know, the way the RPI works is uh, 50% of your RPI is your opponent win-loss. 25% is your win-loss, 25% is opponent's opponents. And so that's how you calculate RPI. And so I think the kind of the misconception is, oh, we played this team. They got a 30 RPI. That's, that's a good opponent. But 50% of your RPI being your opponent win-loss, if you play somebody that wins 40 games, that their win-loss matters more than their RPI right. when it comes term to your, your RPI. Yeah, yeah. Now, the selection committee, they might look at better as, oh, wow, this team went to Texas and won twice. And so it's like the the better thing, and, and even as a conference, like what's what's better for our conference? Is it better that the conference all goes and plays Texas and Vanderbilt and Oklahoma State? Or is it? Better for the conference if everybody and I don't know who the teams are that you schedule and you just win, right. but is it better if everybody in the conference schedules as light as they possibly can so they all win more games so so that opponent win loss record is all higher? I think last you know two thousand twenty one, five teams on the west won forty games in the five conferences in the West, in the SEC last year, it was either seven or eight SEC teams won 40 games. So every weekend in conference when they're playing each other, you're playing another 40-win team. And so regardless of the outcome, your RPI is going to be good. Every week in our conference, you know, we're playing a team that's got between 22 and 32 wins as a whole.
0: Maybe four. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and so so that so that
0: impacts. <laughs> Not naming anybody, but impacts, you know who you are. That impacts. Uh, <laughs> I'll do it. That impacts. You're the coach. I'll do it, Ben. <laughs> Those teams are garbage. <laughs> <laughs> that impacts. You
1: know your RPI when you're playing a really good Cal. You're playing a really good Cal Poly team, and they're you know they're 34 and 20, right? And they're really good. You're playing a really good, you know, Long Beach State team. Who you know this year, you know they're they're 29 and 28, but they're good. They're twenty nine, twenty eight. Where right. it's you know you the SEC, you're playing somebody that's good that's got forty two wins, and so you're kind of limited on what your RPI can get to, and so that's kind of a long answer. Scheduling better, there's two different ways what better looks like. Right. You know, it's and there's there is a difference between RPI and win loss winning percentage, and they are correlated, but they're not the same.
0: Well, it used to be, '90s, '80s, or two thousands. Miami never left Florida, and would be like fifty two and eight, get their ass handed to them in a regional. Uh, uh, Arizona State was the same way. Pat would stay in Arizona. They'd go 49 well, or whatever, never make it out of a super regional. It's like you got to go play somebody. And a lot of teams don't go play. It's not like basketball where you see Duke playing Syracuse or the, like the big teams play each other. Why is that not happening in college baseball where the power 10 are playing each other in tournaments?
1: Yeah. I can't speak for those people. Um, I mean, I have some educated guesses, but, uh, educate me, Ben, educate me. <laughs> no. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, I think there's different ways that people believe in scheduling. I think, you know, you can, the hooky coach Horton's of the world that like, I mean, hookies philosophy on scheduling. And this I do know, cause he's told me is he wants to go challenge his team as much as he can challenge his team in the non-conference, right. go play on the road, go play the best teams he can possibly play. He cares more about that than his record at the end of fifteen games, mm-hmm. and he thinks that that's really going to prepare his team for the Big West Conference and for the postseason. You know, so that's an example of how he's right. scheduled. And then the other philosophy on scheduling is: okay, I'm going to try to schedule the most wins that I can get on my schedule, and so to build what if, confidence, or or whatever the reason right. is. But but I, I'm, I'm scheduling to build wins, uh, and so I think, you know, th- those are the two. I don't want to say extremes, but everybody falls somewhere between those two. Right. Uh, and so I think because of that, it's hard to get, you know, sometimes the people. Out- yeah. And I think some of those teams, you know, if you're, if you're LSU, if you're Texas and you're going to get 12,000 fans and you're going to make money on a weekend, like That's why are you going to get on the road and travel to right. Pepperdine? Like it's going to cost you money, like, you right. know, and, and that fan base. And I'm sure there's pressure to play at home. And
0: you know, why would you? What about tournaments? Why are there great college baseball tournaments? That they have like you know the Nike extravaganz or you know featuring Georgetown, Duke, and whatever, but in college, but we don't have that great college baseball.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's not enough of it, and there's some right. They always do the Clark Leclerc down at East Carolina. Yeah. Um, couple,
0: I know they try that one at Dodger Stadium every once in yeah, a while. The yeah, the Tony Gwynn Classic in yeah. different
1: years has been you know different yeah. varying degrees of good. Um, a couple of years ago, they tried to do a or they, they did do a, a Big Ten Pac twelve thing at a. Minnesota in the football dome, UCLA right. went, Arizona went. So there's some of those, but there's not a lot. Uh, I don't know the reason. Would
0: you like to see it, or the hell with that? You want to spend your weekend at you know Lawrence, uh, Kansas?
1: I, I don't dislike tournaments. Oh, we're we're going to we're going to one next year. Oh, um, well, there
0: you go. But
1: I, th- I think you know the tournaments. Uh, I I really like and as a Coach Gillespie thing, I really like the, the home and homes of playing people that will come to you and you'll go to them. I mean, I think that's you no know, money changes hands. I think that's cool. I think it's how you kind of grow the sport on your campus by getting Oregon state to come in here, or Minnesota right. to come in here, or TCU to come in here mm-hmm. and you return the trip. Uh, you know, we're lucky that we're funded enough that we don't have to take money by go playing guarantee games to meet our budget, So We right. don't have to, we're lucky enough. We don't have to do that. Uh, the tournaments are tough. Just the, um, the amount of, work that goes in, like, preparing for three different teams. Right. There's a lot of work that goes into it during the week. Um, the tournaments maybe prepares you for a regional, but every other thing in college baseball, you know, it's, it's a weekend series against one opponent. Uh, so maybe that's why, but those are just guesses.
0: Yeah, I saw one in Houston, and it was, like, mm-hmm. you know, Texas Tech, yeah. Baylor, Washington. Yeah, UCLA was in that this yeah. year.
1: My senior year, we played in that Minute Maid Classic. Yeah. Same tournament. Yeah, it was great. It was fun. Um, so, but yeah, I, th- I think more of those could be good for the game and, you know, you get some of these conferences to partner up. I, I'd love it if, you know, the two teams from the big West played two teams from the big 12, you know, we played it at wherever, right? you know, or, or some, I think like that'd, that'd be cool.
0: How much money would Ben be making in his NIL deal in 2006? How much, how much would you be raking in? <laughs> nothing, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you mean goals, Jim wouldn't have sponsored you or, no. or <laughs>
1: no, no, I'd have, I'd
0: have. You'd be owing people money.
1: I am, I'm the opposite of anything that's going to be an influencer for anything. So, um, I'd be, made, I, I would not be one of the people benefiting from that. I promise you.
0: Oh come on, no. the great shortstop with the great moves and lay down a bunt all over the place. Yeah, sack 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 bunt sounds like good nil
1: deals. Ooh, hey, I certainly could have got a car for that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, the Kia sack bunt yeah. you by Ben Harlock. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Take, yeah. No, No, no nil deals for me.
0: What is your leadership kind of, I guess, program? How do you like to build leadership within baseball to get guys to kind of go along with your style? Because leadership's really important. And I can, I've can seen a lot of coaches lose teams with bad leadership and build teams up with good leadership.
1: Yeah, I think that's hard. I mean, I think it's really, really hard. And I think it's hard to, certainly hard to quantify. Um, I, I think the, th- the things to me that may or may not answer your question. Um, I, I think one of the first things is, you know, leadership doesn't have a age requirement. Uh, I think that's huge, especially with a group. Uh, you know, you're you're not you're not a leader because you've had more birthdays than somebody else. That doesn't make you a leader. Um, I think what makes you a, a leader uh, is somebody that you know does things right all the time and is dependable. It's trustworthy. Um, and that puts, you know, team over self. I think, I think that's like what makes somebody a leader. And I think there's all these different ways that people lead. Uh, I don't, I don't really believe in captains. Uh, I think captains kind of, um, I think inherently there's guys know who captains, you know, captains are and who they're not. I think the captain thing kind of might put some un, Needed or wanted pressure on somebody. Uh, I think a captain thing could make somebody try to act like something that they're not. I, th- I think a big part of leadership for me uh, is being who you are and, and being being that person um, all the time uh, and being accountable for stuff when it's not right and it can be better. And you hope that you know. I think it's the hardest thing for for kids these days. And it's I'm 35. It's hard for me is uh, holding other people to the high standards. You know of, of making making them do it right. Uh, you know, I think coach Sabin has a really great definition of discipline that kind of falls into this leadership thing. I think, um, he said, you know, it's, it's, uh, over here you have, I know what I'm not supposed to do. I want to do it. Can I make myself not do it? You know? And, and here's what I don't want to do. Can I make myself do it? You know, and I think when you have those types of characteristics. I think you can have this, this leadership thing. Um, but I think, I think, you know, I, I hate, I'm not a fan of like, uh, buzzwords. And so I think these things all got to have like definitions. And I think this leadership thing is really hard to like have a, hey, this is what leadership looks like. You know, this is the definition of leadership. Um, but I think, I think it encapsulates, um, some of those things. And, and, you know, I think the, the ability to do what's best for the team, even when it's not best for you. And, um, I think those are some of the things.
0: Are, is your coaching style more a bit of Dave and a bit of Mike, or is it a bit of Ben? Like, where where do you kind of fall in a barometer of you know what you've picked up over your career? Um,
1: I don't know. I, I don't. I, I really try hard. I don't try hard. I really just know that I just have to be myself. Um, and I don't know where on the spectrum of, you know, Coach Serrano or Coach Gillespie that falls. Right. Those are your it's, baseball. It's neither, right. yeah. And I think it's really, I it was really as hard as it was to have the coaching transition. It was really beneficial to me to see. I played for two different head coaches who did things completely different, and they were both really great at what they do. And so I so I, in, in our coaching philosophy or things we do on the field, there's some things that's like, we got that from Coach Gillespie. Or I got that from Coach Serrano or Sergio right. or Burgie. And so I think that, that falls more into like a, how the games played or how the games taught. Um, I think in terms of like how the programs run. I just I try to do it as good as I can do it. And part of that is from watching those. But I I, I just try to I try to do it as good as I can do it, knowing that you know I, I'm I'm 35 and I've done it for four years, and um, you know it's probably never been more evident than this year. But like how much better I can do it and need to do it to to um, you know be better at it.
0: I, I love your coaching style. It's what caught my eye, the way you're handling like this younger generation. It's very even keel, and I think that's kind of maybe what they need. I'm not sure if they need a, a screamer or a rah-rah guy, but I can never tell when you're four down and four up. And I, and I absolutely love, selfishly, I love your your post speeches. I wish they could be about five minutes longer just so I can make more pictures of you. No, co- coach. But I love that they're only 30 seconds in and out. Boom.
1: Yeah, Coach Turner told me. He told me recently. Coach when he coached for Don Nelson, he said Don Nelson thinks those talks should be less than a shot clock. (laughs) Um, I I think
0: the. um, Well, you're not lighting anybody. uh, I've been in those uh, where people just get
1: blown up. I think part of what you said. I think just the even keel. I mean, I think that's that's just who I am. I don't. I don't really. um, It's it's not really by design. I don't really. I don't really get emotional. Like I don't really have emotions.
0: Um, I could tell by this podcast. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, you got the sneaky <laughs> smile. That's about all you've got as emotion. When I could see like there's something good goes over, especially this year. Cause you don't have to wear that damn mask. So the mask could, was good. Yeah, So I could see you yeah, a the little the, smile
1: appears. The, um, no, but I, th- I think, um, I think, I think as a coach, like, you know, it's, it's my job's not to like pitch or hit. It's about like making good decisions for like the team. And, uh, you know, I heard I heard uh, Phil Jackson say, right? I mean, he's the Zen master. Right? He he used to take his pulse during games to make sure that his pulse was under a hundred, and I think that uh, <laughs> would. to be able to make good decisions. Yeah. And I think that uh, you know, I heard that, and I, I but I think that's just in my nature. That's just who I am. I don't get really excited or really sad. No, you're and very really cool. You're- and I think that that's just that's that's I don't really have to like focus on that. That's just who I am. But I know. You know, my hope is that that's the impact that, like, the players see is just the consistency, and that, like, especially the the bigger the moment, that it's just like that. If I'm rattled, certainly they have to be rattled. And so, so I, you know, I, I want to be even keeled. And this game is just so hard. You know, it's not basketball, it's not football. It's so long. Um, so much of it is played like between the ears, and it's about like quality decision making. And um, is that what you're looking for when you're recruiting? It's hard to find that when you're recruiting I mean, it's really hard to find that when you're recruiting but but I think uh, I'll get back to that but I think uh, you know I wear a I wear a fitbit and I don't and I don't get like text or nothing on that long and I, I like it she'll show the heart rate thing at times and I, I kind of like a play a game with myself where I try to see like especially like ninth inning it's close And I'll like glance out like how low can I get you know how low can I get it Um you don't want to be a
0: diabetic where someone's got to feed you sugar. No,
1: we'll, but like in the moment, you know, can, can you get in the ninth inning with base loaded? Like, can you, have, you know, if I can have my heart rate like at 85, it's like, oh, that's pretty good in this moment to be like, think clearly mm-hmm. and make a good decision. Cause that's what my job is. It's, I, it's, it's, about making decisions. Yeah, you're a decision maker, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so I think that, and I think again, hopefully the projection of the players is like, we're good. Like if Ben's not rattled or nervous or sad or happy, like we're just play, you know, cause I think, you know, one of the, you know, you've been around baseball a long, long time is right next pitch, you know, and I, th- that's such, it's a, it's a cliche saying, but I think, you know, for us, like mental toughness is, you know, our kids define it and they know the definition. It's like, it's the ability to, it's the ability to do like the right thing regards the situation that right. like hot, cold, what, like that I can really play the next pitch and, and really focus on that. Um, and if you're emotional, it's hard to do that. Um, I think in terms of like, post-game talk I mean I've played long enough to know that you know when we play a six o'clock home game I mean we meet at 2 30 as a team the guys have all been here by at least 1 30 that the game's done at nine o'clock that like everybody wants to go home like nobody wants to listen to the coach right. um, and if you have something that you want to tell them they're not listening I mean they've been there for eight hours like they've heard you or, or, they, or they, they don't have any capacity I 11 mean, they don't they want to go home like they're Parents are waiting for him. Their girlfriends are waiting for him, um, and so I always we talk the next day. I mean, we, we talk the next day. I mean, I, I'm I'm not a good post game talker, um, speaker.
0: Do you uh, need to digest? Yeah, I mean, the I, game. I, I, well, yeah,
1: it's it's you know, it's I, I write a lot. I write a lot during the game, um, and and I want to be right in what I, right as I see it in what I tell them. I, right. don't, I don't. You wanna,
0: don't want it to be emotional. Yeah, I, I want to be right.
1: Yeah, I want to be right in what I tell them. Um, and you know, the game ends, you go shake the other coach's hands. If you know the guy, maybe you, you know, you say something besides just see tomorrow. And then, you know, you don't walk with your, I don't walk with my, some people do. I don't walk with my clipboard to home plate to shake the other guy's hand and walk with my clipboard out to the outfield and going to read through everything that I wrote down the last three hours and um
0: sit down boys here we go
1: yeah because <laughs> I've been
0: out there for five yeah me 10, too and, I, and that's, that's
1: not fun we, we we spend a lot of time the next day and you know I think we spend a lot of time um that people don't see uh to cover stuff I I I, I believe when we're on the field like we play and there's coaching going on for sure but we we spend a lot of time you know upstairs and um, I, 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 try to coach, you know, I think with like voice and video, um, and we film everything and, um, I like showing the guys and we're very, you know, I, I don't yell and scream par- mostly because that's my personality. Um, but I just know, you know, from dealing with, with other people or seeing it. Like lots of times my opinion is like when the voices get raised People just listen to the tone and they can't hear the words. Right. Um, whether it's true or not, that's how I believe it to be. And so I don't really get – if I yell, they're not actually going to be listening to what I'm telling them. It's so like sometimes you need to for a fact. But, um, but I think, you know, the the video – we do a lot of video. And I am um, – I'm very critical of our players. Uh, very critical of them. Uh, but a lot of it we try to show them with the a video yeah. of like this is why – this, like this is this is why i'm frustrated this is why we lose this is what's going to get us beat um, and it, it it's hard i mean it's hard for the players for sure you know when you're eighteen years old you're twenty years old i 'm thirty five it'd be to put me on video and show me doing something bad like that's i mean that's that's hard um, and I think that's a different type of um, where guys getting yelled at that's hard on them but I think it's um I think it's a really good teaching tool. And I think that we do it every day. And I think, you know, I try to go to lengths, um, and it doesn't always hit, uh, that to explain to our guys, there's a difference between like coaching and criticism, like we're coaching you to get you better. And like, that's nobody's, you know, I'm not going to come out here and yell at a guy. Cause I had a bad breakfast, like, you know, and so it, but, but, but it takes thick skin to be able to like, to get coached the way that we coach people. And, um, but I think it's necessary for getting better and, um, that when they can see it on video, it's not something that we're making up that, um, and I think it works really good when your best players want to get coached, you know, and that's, um, you know, we've had that here in, in varying degrees in varying years. And, you know, when you can get on your best player, you know, we had Mike Peabody here last year, the conference player of the year, he really made us better in a lot of areas. And, uh, you know, I could show in our classroom and it would really, I could show Mike Peabody, not running out a ball hard and you would look at him, you know, and I'd rewind and I played again and rewind it and play it again and pull out the stopwatch and play it again. Um, and he's sitting there and he's like nodding his head where I think like, that's uncommon. I think most guys coach is a jerk. And I think when you have guys like that, it's don't embarrass me. Yeah. It's that, yeah the coach is right you know and i think you know, when he guys like that he goes downstairs the clubhouse and he's not complaining about the coach being a jerk and he's playing hard right or, you know you can show him i won't do that you can show him throwing to the yeah. wrong base and he knows you're not picking on him he knows you're coaching him um and so i think that that's where we try to do a lot of the construction the coaching that's why after a game it's everybody wants to go home and um so but that that's kind of my um how i try to Act. And a lot of that's just who I am, but I think there, there is a method behind it. And, um, I think the, you know, we spend a lot of time really trying to educate the players cause I'm a firm believer in, you know, the smart teams win, uh, the games are, uh, you know, the games, again, I quote people cause I'm not smart enough, um, Nick Saban says every game comes down to six or seven plays. And the problem is you don't know when they're going to come up in baseball. You know, it's three hours. and There's so many critical decisions that happen in split seconds. Uh, Isn't that crazy? And you got to be prepared for all of it. Um, You know, since I've been coaching, I haven't done the numbers yet for this year. Uh, Coming into this year, I think I'd coached 420 games in college. I think 40% of them had been decided by one or two runs. And so it's like one or two run games are turned on any pitch. Mm -hmm. and so the attention to detail the focus uh the really the ability to play the next pitch uh is so huge and you need smart kids that can handle that so we try to spend a lot of time covering that because the games you know the the players win games i'm certainly smart enough to know that and during the games you know i have a stopwatch i have a clipboard i have a pencil like players win games and they need to be like really equipped to make those critical decisions under duress And and that's that's really hard and um I think that's why the the teaching end on the front end has got to be really good. And I think the debriefing of games has to be like more than, you know, Matt threw a ball away. That's why we lost. Right. We're certainly not going to play him tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Not going to happen. Yeah. That's, you know, I don't think it helps us win tomorrow.
0: All right. How is the recruiting process today with all the distractions, the things that players want, is it uh, more of a challenge than it ever was when you started as an assistant coach?
1: I think it's just different. I don't think it's harder or easier, better or worse. I think it's just different. Um, Different how? uh, I think there's less secrets. I mean, it's so much stuff on social media. Um, Sometimes, like, you're on a guy that you think people don't know about, and there's a tweet, and then everybody knows about him. So that that maybe makes it harder. But you find out about guys that way, too. Um, I don't think we've changed a lot in how we do things or – you know, I think recruiting—it—it it starts with—I don't know if it starts with—you need to have a good network and people that you know that can help you identify players and tell you right. what they are. Uh, but I think the most important part is getting out and working. I mean, it starts by working. If—if if any of us go to a game and—and and, you know, Mike Trout's playing, he's good. You know, but you got to be at the game to see Mike Trout play to know mm-hmm. that he's good. I think recruiting is like some of these other things that if you're willing to outwork people, you can find good players. Yeah. Uh, and so I think I think that's never changed. And I think the, you know, the pitch for us is, you know, it, we, where we work is you get a top ten public education in the country. You have to live in Newport Beach, California. Um, you can play on you know one of the best surfaces in the country for a team that, you know, in the good years is competing to go to Omaha and you can get drafted and go play in the big leagues. And it's like that's what the, you know if that's what the pitch is. And if you need, you know, if if you need a football team, if you need Power Five. If you need that other stuff, and you think the you know, bigger cafeteria is going to determine a better college experience, like don't come here. You know, if if, if don't come. And then I, we're, I, I tell them, I, I tell kids, if if you need football, don't please don't come here. And right. I, I tell them up front, like this is this is how I am. Like this is you know I, I'm not a good fit for everybody. UC Irvine's not a good fit for everybody. Like this is what it is. Like um, if this is not a good fit, like please don't come. Right. Please don't come. Because it's
0: more of a problem for you and for me. Yeah, it
1: won't work. You won't be happy. Um, and, and we try to go through the vetting process as much as we can, which is really, really hard to, to know what they are. And Coach Gillespie used to always say, you never know what you have in a player until he's on campus day after day after day after day. And so, the, you know, the makeup, it's so hard to get that part right. And um, you don't really know until you get him day after day after day after day. Have because there- the, 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 the biggest change is that, the process is sped up so much. I mean, there's 14 and 15-year-olds committing. Say, right? You yeah. got to know. You feel like you got to know about. That's what's changed. And, w- you know, w- we, we don't do much of that. Um, so you, they commit to other places. And I, I'm, not, I'm not spending a lot of time, you know, FaceTime and 14-year-olds. So that's right.
0: good. If you can make one change in college baseball, they come to you and say, boom, you've got the power. What are you making? What's that change? In college baseball or recruiting? Yeah, college baseball. Is it bats? Is it rules? No. Is it travel? Everybody has to play in slippers. Like what's the-
1: um, God? That's a good question. I don't, I don't know the one thing that I change. It's such a great sport, and we, we were all watching it last week. And it's it's such a great sport. I, I think I think if they had more. You know, I've, I've been brainwashed by Coach Gillespie, which is a good thing. Um,
0: you want more games?
1: Oh, no, yeah, yeah, more games would be great. <laughs> I mean, but it's with our schedule, you know, the timeline of it, it, it fits good. I mean, certainly we'd like – I think this, this schedule is good. I, I think if they had coaches, real coaches, I thought it would be a great thing for, like, retired coaches, guys like Coach Gillespie, to get them on that rules committee um, and just kind of help some of the rules of the game. I think some of the rules that have came into the game aren't necessarily good for the game. They're not necessarily detrimental, but –
0: what about that additional paid assistant coach that failed a couple of years ago?
1: Yeah, that'd be great. I think more, get more people in this industry to to uh, you know, let them get their start. I think that that'd be a great. I mean, that that's your answer is better than mine. Um, I'll take that one. Yeah, I think more co- more coaches is good. You know, we got the worst player to coach ratio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, ridiculous. Yeah, so I, I think that additional coaches would be great. Uh, so that, yeah, that, that's my answer. Thanks.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah. If I was coach for a day, I'd give, give. Yeah. all right. Well, you mentioned recruiting. What would you change in recruiting? That, that
1: genie's th- not going back in the bottle. And my, my, my opinion on that doesn't matter. Um,
0: you're king for the day. <laughs> Shove yeah. that genie back in the bottle. Uh, what was, what's gotten away?
1: No, I just think the, uh, I, I, I don't, th- I mean, I think, I mean, I know back in the old days, I mean, I, I, you know, I coach Gillespie's people talking about like watching the area code games and those kids are uncommitted. Um, And I think just that the better decisions would be made the later the process was better decisions would be made by, um, by the kids and by the coaches, the families would make better decisions. Now I, I I don't even know if that's plausible possible in 2022. Um, But it'd, it'd be, you know, even with this transfer portal thing, like we're going through it now. Like I really enjoy, Speaking with 22-year-olds who have been at a school, who have performed, who have won. Like those conversations when you're trying to recruit a 22-year-old that's played four years at school X, like those conversations are so much more enjoyable for me than the conversations with most 15-year-old kids and what we're talking about as I'm talking about my school, you know. And so I really enjoy those conversations. And I think the more that recruiting was backed up, that you were recruiting older kids, that stuff would be more enjoyable than like some of the stuff that we're all, you know, we all do cause we're competitive. And,
0: um, so that, that, that'd be nice. Right. Let's go back in the time machine and say, you've got to evaluate Ben now as a coach, you're recruiting him. What does he look like? What does Ben Orloff look like as a senior in high school? What rating do you give Ben Orloff? I mean, I'm a five, ten, hundred
1: 140-pound tryhard. I mean, <laughs> you know, a guy that's lacking talent, um, that's not physical, uh, with a below-average arm and a average runner and catches the ball okay, and it looks like he plays hard, <laughs> you know. Um, that That's what I was. You know, I learned – my dad knew, knows baseball, um, obviously enjoys baseball. You know, the one thing that he taught us was uh, – you know, you, everywhere you go, sprint, and so I think that's I just sprint to play defense, sprint to come into the dugout. I think that like caught people's attention, but I I, I was, huh, I probably would not, huh, I probably wouldn't recruit myself, and that's probably why we're not. You know, and it's hard, it's hard, and uh, but I, the f- physically, I don't think there was anything really about me that. Uh, it's
0: got to be hard to find a Ben Orlov, because <laughs> you got to trust the kid, you got to look deep, right? It, it's just. It, not me. You just, what did I mean? Sergio saw something. Yeah, he related to Dave. Yeah,
1: get him on your podcast. I'm, have him I'm gonna, it. but he's, um,
0: but he's found a lot of those guys. Yeah, I, th- I think
1: you know. I, I just think it goes to not about me, but just the recruiting process is so. full. I mean, it's we it's don't have we, we don't have the time to make the decisions, and you don't know. Right, we see it in the NFL all the time. Right, Tom Brady's the example of like this guy went to college for five years, and he drafted him where they drafted him, and us college baseball coaches got to pick him at 16. Right. And, you know and even the major league baseball draft I mean they're picking them they, they're picking the best of the best and they don't get it right and they very still screwing up right and yeah. so the amount that we're gonna get it right is so so rare and you just don't know what kids are gonna be at like when they're 20, 21 22 and so much of it you can't see um, and just I think the the talent discrepancy between players and teams is not that great um, and a lot of it's about this you know the fancy words makeup and intangibles and who's going to get better, who does it really matter to, and it's really hard to evaluate that on, you know, Field 5 in Goodyear, Arizona. Right. You know, and and, and this kid's got three offers, and you've got to make a decision on them or you're going to lose them. So are you good losing them or are you going to try to get in them? And you've seen them three times and you've had them on campus. But I I always tell kids, like, this campus visits, you, you try to look for clues. But as a coach or as a kid, I think it's really hard to, like, mess up a campus visit. Like, I think very few people leave any school on a visit and go, wow, I hate that place, yeah, you know, that's garbage. or, or it's like very rare when a kid and his parents are there and you're with him for an hour and a half, man, what a terrible kid. What a terrible, f- like, you know, it's, it's in an hour and a half, like, right. Everybody's on, the on their best
0: behavior. Yeah.
1: So it's really hard to get that. So there's just so many misses and you just don't know. And, um, you just don't know
0: what, what would you be doing if you're not coaching?
1: Can I say playing? Yeah. I'd be playing. I'd be playing or coaching. I don't. I don't know anything else. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not good at anything else.
0: So you're 35 years old playing in the minor leagues right now.
1: I, I don't know if I'd be good enough anymore. Um, I don't know what I'd be. I mean, if I wasn't coaching, I don't know what I'd be doing. I mean, I'd be. I mean, I'd. I'd, I'd be. You know. I'd be coaching for no money. <laughs> I, I I don't know anything besides baseball. I really do, I don't. Um...
0: You beat your dad's house throwing a ball against the garage door, beating it up. For...
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I don't. Um...
0: How much do you love this game?
1: Yeah, it's you know it's been um, it's been my life. You know, it's, it's it's all I've ever done. It's it's kind of um, how I've kind of found my place in the world and be able to been able to have all my friends through this game. And it, it's been you know the game's been everything to me. And I don't know if that's a cool thing or a sad thing, um, <laughs> but it's been everything. It's it, you know I don't have um, I don't really have hobbies. Um, I don't golf. I don't. I don't you know I don't fish I don't hunt I don't I don't do that I don't I just never done it you know I like baseball um and it's it's what I enjoy doing um why do
0: I see you putting on a wig and a mustache and playing wreck ball at some place <laughs> at a park in the inland valley so nobody knows you yeah
1: yeah I mean, I mean there's there's I mean don't get me wrong I mean there's things that I like I mean I like I like where I live and I can drive and see the beach but it's like I, I like baseball and um you know even I like when, I, when you, I was a player, when I was a player, like I liked hitting in the cage by myself after practice. Like as I'm a coach, like, I like recruiting. I like talking to kids and getting to know them. I like you know looking at our roster and seeing how we can get it better. I like watching you know video of us playing this year, or other guys. Like I I, that, I enjoy that. Right. I think I enjoy that. Like I think how I imagine other people like golf. Like that's how I enj- yeah. I enjoy it. And so
0: if I took you to a Dodger game yeah. and they're playing team whatever, could you enjoy the game or are you sitting there?
1: No, no, no. I, you, no! I Oh God! I mean, your your listeners can't see the the moves that you're making with your hands or your face. <laughs> well, are you, third, no, are you trying to steal third? you? No, I'm watching. I mean, even when I, I I enjoy the game, but okay. I, you know, the, the the college game interests me more. The style of play more than the pro game. I mean, I kind of get bored. It's different. Yes. I kind of get bored watching the big league games, and I don't like. Um, all the people and the you know i i want to like watch the game i don't want the people walking back and getting their popcorn and their beer and you know you can't see and i don't you know i don't that that
0: why are you 35 going on
1: 86 <laughs> um but, I, but 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 when i go to the games um you know i'll watch you know i watch the third base coach give signs i you know i watch when they're are you running. stealing them no I, i'm not good at that <laughs> um i watch the the you know the when the guy gets on first base the guy give the signs i i like watching that type of stuff but i mean i like I would film some of that stuff and send it to our players like uh, during the regionals. Like I, I'll rewind and like film something and send it to myself and save it and put it into a file um, yeah, to, 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 you know, to try to make us better. Like, um, you know, and so, so I would enjoy it. But the same thing, I go watch travel ball games, high school games, like I'm watching the coaches and I'm trying to like see what they do. And, and especially some of the good ones, they, you know, it, it's, it's, that's it, enjoyable for me to watch. Yeah, But, yeah, I, I mean, that, that files thing, I mean, that's that's a real thing. It's There's a good website called Baseball Savant, and every pitch, there's a video attached to every pitch all year in the big leagues. And um, so I used to watch – I don't watch much Major League Baseball when we're in season. I'll watch more now that we're out of season. Um, but I'd watch games with, like, my notes section, my phone open, and, like, some play would come up, and I'd, you know, mark it. You know, Matt Brown, top of the fifth, single to the left, and then go to Baseball Savant, find it save it into a file to, you know, use it to show our players right, about something. Yeah. And so it, it's, you know, cause I'm, I'm, you know, I'm only 35 and I've only coached for nine years. And so I've got such a um, disadvantage of some of the other guys that have coached longer in terms of seeing the situations more. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to speed up that development for me by like seeing more and right. Putting myself in those positions to like, I mean, I'm competing with coach Gillespie who's seeing the situation for 50 years, you know. A thousand like, times. Yeah, and you're competitive, and so trying to speed up that process.
0: All right. I can't thank you enough for your time, taking the, the time machine, going back, and learning about Ben, and I love your style. If, if I had a if I had a kid that was playing baseball, I'd definitely have him come to Irvine.
1: That's the most important thing you've said the whole time, especially <laughs> if he's really good. <laughs> he is really good, but he happens
0: to uh, play the discus and shot put, so that doesn't do you any good.
1: No, I appreciate you having me. It was
0: fun. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're Irvine's blessed to have you. It's, it's a shame you don't really enjoy baseball very much. <laughs> and it's, the, it's like literally in your blood, but you have been a pleasure to watch during your playing time. And now that I get to shoot you as a head coach, um, I had the pleasure, you know, with, your brother, when he was at Fullerton, and, and your dad—he's so shy. He never talks about either one of you guys. He's the best.
1: No, I wait, I appreciate you, Matt. You know, I think this was the first year that really I've got to be around you as much as I have this year. Um, obviously, knowing what you do and seeing you from a distance, and um, it's been really cool to have you around the team and in the dugout. Somebody that's seen all the things that you've seen and right. um, got to experience all that. So it's been really cool that, that you're that you're around here now, and look forward to seeing you a lot more. And this was this was fun.
0: All right, there's one thing we got to change. We got to get you some better photos in this office. So this is hey, killing me. Hey,
1: we're, we're knocking this place down. I'm going to get a brand new one, and you can be the first. Donor. When are we
0: knocking it down? The next couple days? As soon as your check clips. <laughs> because <laughs> I am getting you some new photos. We're keeping that one from Omaha. We'll hey, keep that one. Hey, I, that one's okay.
1: Hey, I really, um, I hesitate to do much here. I still, I still most days, feel like I'm renting this office from Coach Gillespie. And so, um, this is kind of how he added it. And so, it's like plenty good enough for me and um so
0: well i i think mike would be okay if we changed a couple of the photos
1: hey if he would he would be telling you that you should be the first check to help us start getting <laughs> i'll do moving. it i will do
0: it i i'm i'm getting you new photos <laughs> cool thanks a lot Matt. you're the man ben thank you thanks thank you for listening to my conversation with ben orloff if you enjoyed this episode please click the like button and become a subscriber to the podcast Remember, you can follow the Just a Good Conversation podcast on Instagram, and you can find all of our past shows on the website at justagoodconversation.com. Thank you for listening.